issue today we're really getting into our groove with our new podcast we've been around for about a month and a half we've actually really love all of the love you guys have been giving us on facebook and instagram we've had a ton of downloads we finally worked out a lot of the kinks and getting into like the real groove of how we're actually going to continue doing what minefields actually stands for uh there's a lot obviously we're going to focus on in the future it's not just going to be comics wrestling but right now it's the new issue, and we've got things to go through. We're going to talk about Captain Marvel. Actually, I'm reminding myself right now, this whole thing is spoilers. So if you, oh, yeah. you've got a problem with it, we're going to spoil every comic, uh, every wrestling episode, and Captain Marvel. And we've got a, a packed lineup today. So we're going to talk about Captain Marvel. We're going to talk about the new issue of Star Trek Discovery with Captain Saru. Uh, Marvel Comics presents number two. Tony Stark Iron Man number nine. We've got... Uh, Murder Falcon number one back from November that we want to talk about because it's a really kick-ass comic book. Shredder in Hell number two. Ronin Island number one, which I completely forgot. I can't believe I spaced on this Uh because I really wanted to talk about it last week. It was actually one of the the front picture of that issue online. Uh, Winter Soldier number four. Um, We've got also we're going to talk about the latest episode of Impact from March 8th. So we're recording this Thursday night. So they're actually showing the new episode right now. So uh, we're going to be talking about last episode, but a lot of cool stuff happened in it. Um, Ring of Honor, episode three, number 390. We're, of course, we're on SmackDown. We've got a couple little bits of news for wrestling that we'd like to talk about. And we're going to start with Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. Hey. Hey, everybody. Um, man, I didn't think this was going to show up in my, uh, my box at uh, Legendary Comics. It just kind of was there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they throw anything Star Trek in there. Discovery, it sure has its moments. I don't know what you guys think about it. Um, let us know. I'd love to know what other people think about it. And I owe my good man, Johnny Williams, a phone call about this because he was calling me way back about it when it was on. Uh, and I only bought it in DVD and watched it recently. But, um, yeah, this is, a uh, this is of course, an IDW one-shot. This is, uh, let's see, what we got? We got Christian Bear and Mike Johnson are the writers. Art by Angel Hernandez. There's a lot of great stuff going on here. I get it. There's a flashback right out of the gate because the story, if you're looking at this and you don't know what it is, the story takes place immediately after the first season, preceding the second season. And I haven't even watched that yet, even though you can't avoid internet spoilers. So I kind of have some idea of where it's going. Um, I'm going to say probably the best part about this book is really the uh the powerful emphasis of their pencils for getting the likenesses down really well of these characters seru looks awesome and uh michael burnham looks really really great the the inking and the coloring i love the shadows that they've done everywhere 
you've got a unique feature that they start out that they're on Paris and they're at a they're at the Louvre, uh, looking at artwork, and then they get called away to go on a mission and go rescue Tilly because we couldn't go do anything else. It would have to have something to do with one of the regular crewmen and Tilly, of course. Uh, is she a fan favorite? People tell me because I I don't know what to think about her. I, I she's a little annoying. She's kind of cute. She's kind of not. I, I I just I just don't know what to think about her. Um, and I, I I gotta say I can't believe if they were gonna do that business in the first season of throwing out the f bomb in a Star Trek series that they would do it that way. It was just weird. too cute. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the over cuteness stuff uh, pains me. Yeah. But it's rad to see um, Orion's. I I actually don't know because I haven't been watching season two yet. Um, authentically right now, I mean, unless I became a subscriber to CBS uh, whatever, um, all, all Access, which I, I don't have any problem with. I mean, I'm subscribing to YouTube and I'm subscribing to, like, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Is Star Trek always CBS? No. Well, okay, you know what? I made a major mistake in one of our uh, Next Generation subscriber content uh, simulcasts, or whatever we want to call it, uh, saying, and I don't know if that information got in there because we re-edited it, that um, when, I, when I was watching it in 87 through 94, it was broadcast on NBC, but that was because it was um, syndicated, <clears throat> and that was gotcha. a big switch. To just say, hey, we're going to do this. It'll have the appropriate number of shows, and we're going to syndicate it. You guys can play it however you want to in your market. Um, I knew that, but it just didn't occur to me because I just wasn't in the right mindset. That was, It was a new thing for me to be thinking about Next Generation. No, uh, CBS, Viacom, they kind of got together in, uh, oh, man, the I don't remember, the early 2000s, and somehow or another... You know, they got the Star Trek license because it was uh, CBS Paramount also. And I'll tell you what, I remember some things from the auction when I was doing the It's a Wrap auction that there were some uh, divisions. They kept saying, like, well, these this this branch got the movies and this got the uh, TV and the divorce. I was like, okay, so who had license for what? But no, CBS hasn't always controlled it. It was... Uh, it was a Desi Lu program originally. I love Lucy. Anyway, I'm going to conclude on this particular book. It's a one shot. It's thick. It's seven ninety nine. And right. um, if you're totally into Discovery, you can't live without it. If you love Seru, you can't live without it. Um, on a on a scale of one to ten, how how did the writers do? Oh, the writing is pretty clever. Uh, Orion's is bad guys. You know, hey, we're going to capture your ship, and then Saru's gotta, got to try to outmaneuver them. And I'm going to say, if you like the episode Starship Mine, or if you like Die Hard, you're going to like this. So I'm going to give this, we're going to go back to my uh, my ranking system for Next Generation. I'm going to give this a solid full lieutenant of a book, if anybody knows what that solid. means. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If you're a subscriber, you know what that means, because you've probably been watching our TNG um that's the next generation for folks who are not Trek. Trek dorks like me. Uh, and now Joshua as well. In any case, uh, what, what's your first book, buddy? I want to talk about the Teenage Ninja Turtles uh, miniseries uh, Shredder in Hell. Uh, 
This number two mm. just came out on Wednesday by Mateus uh, Santo Luoco. Um, art and story <laughs> by him, actually. Uh, it, it actually makes perfect sense that he did art and story because this is some beautiful digital art. It it's If you've seen some old 90s issues of quintessential 90s comic books, like an, like an issue of like She by Billy Tucci, it gets kind oh, yeah. of convoluted about where to look and how to flow how to flow throughout the um, for your how your eyes can flow from dialogue spots where you're supposed to look at what's actually happening. Oh wow! It, it it is intense. Not only is it intense, but it is exceptionally detailed. Not overly detailed. I'm not saying it's not one of those like '90s overly detailed type things, but I'm saying he has circumvented that problem with how it flows. He did a kick-ass job. Not to mention the color palette that he chose was all secondary colors, uh, but a lot of grays, but in you know the purples, um, oranges. Basically, and for a lot of people that don't know this, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book that's been running from IMDb, I want to say from the past, like, wow, probably 10 years, has been consistently solid. Not just with the art, but the writing. Um, Kevin Eastman is always a part of it. And he's, mm-hmm. I, I believe he's been writing every single one. He didn't write this one, like I said earlier. But to recap it, I'm trying to figure out a good spot to bring you guys in. In issue number 50 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, from like I want to say like four years ago, Splinter finished off the Shredder, knocked down, drag out. Technodrome is on is is on an island. It's completely irradiating everything. Everything comes to a huge head in this in this issue and ends up with Shredder versus uh, with a uh, Splinter and Splinter just cuts his fucking head off, just clean off. Beautiful takes over the foot. There's a big problem with the brothers that they're part of the foot now. The retcon story is basically they're the reincarnated souls of, <laughs> an, ori- of an original family uh, back in you know uh, early you know dynasty days, mm-hmm. and they're back. They have a immense spiritual tie to the Foot Clan. Oroku Saki and Hamato Yoshi used to be best friends, and that is absolutely something you really need to know in this comic book because Shredder is in hell. And he's greeted while he was dying, actually. Splinter told him, listen, friend, I'll help you. He finds himself in the afterlife, and there is, like, astral form Splinter, who is there to help him through whatever he has to do. And, you know, in order to, to, like, save his own soul. And the great part about this is that he is – Orokusaki is actually himself this time as opposed to being possessed by an evil dragon spirit that has control of the foot. It's the first time he's got he's got his own self, and he recognizes him and Splinter's original relationship. He wants it back. He's actually he's not an anti-hero. He's trying to be a good guy. He's trying to fight his way through hell in this. That is fantastic. And, and as he goes through hell, he is a comp- he's accompanied by Splinter, but Splinter is a small rat that helps him in all the random battles. He's fighting every bad thing he's ever done. Is attacking him all at once. After and oh, stunning, stunning artwork where they where you see uh, Yug Drizzle, the 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 tree of life, mm-hmm. and Yudrisil, the roots. Yeah. yeah, I always say it wrong. Uh, well, y- y- who, who can say yeah. it right? Yeah. Yub Yub. <laughs> what was yub. it? <laughs> yeah. It's Yum Yub. Right. Different. So check it out just for the art alone. It reminds. It reminded me of when I was watching the um, live action version of Eon Flux. 
you could have watched that movie on oh, mute. Yeah. And it, you could have watched it on mute and just been blown away. You can watch. You can read this comic book with none of the actual word balloons to help you. It's that gorgeous. You will figure it out. Total it's about shout out, honor, dude. It's about honor. Who has a? <laughs> I'm gonna be a twerp and I'm gonna do this. I got a. Uh... I got a Metamucil fiber wafer cookie in its original packaging for anybody who wants to talk with us about the Aeon Flux live action movie. (laughs) You let us know, and I will send you a one-serving, two-wafer, multigrain fiber wafer, cinnamon spice. This thing will keep you regular. Its uh, net weight is uh, 77 ounces. Is you're a regular guy. That's why I want. <laughs> it's a point seventy seven ounces thing. That's why I want you to stay regular. <laughs> yeah, stay regular, dude. You know what right. I like about that? Uh, hey, that's a great plot. Let me ask you this: is 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 Splinter the Rat in hell? His astral form. Does he have any? Uh, does he have any bearing on the physical situation that's going on down there, or is yes. he ineffectual because he's just a rat on the shoulder? No, he's he has absolute. He's he saves Shredder's ass through half the damn thing. I like that, but I almost wish that they were doing it the way I suggested, only because that would this, make it more. It would make every event more important for Shredder to have to deal with by himself. That I I would agree with you if I had if we talked about it before I actually read it. This <laughs> is about this is about friendship. This is about redemption. This is about Splinter being by his side no matter what. Yeah. Remembering the, the, the force they used to play in his kids, remembering that bond they had that unfortunately got ruined. And in, in, in response to that, I, I was almost thinking of calling this particular issue um, some sort of theme in regards to redemption. Because when we talk about yeah. Winter Soldier in a little bit, it's – this is this is redemptive. This is something for all you pieces of shit out there that are suffering, thinking that you'll never be better than what you've what you've done. This is something for all you people. Like, no, you need to let it go. You have to forgive yourself. And what better way than seeing like the shredder of all people? I know, dude. I, could you imagine the shredder ever learning from his mistakes? You really can't. But I can see it's a Rokusaki, correct? It's a Rokusaki. It's a Rokusaki. Yeah, I can see Orokusaki realizing if I mean especially if he was possessed. This is very exciting to me because you know I've got a piece of uh narrative fiction that I'm working on that uh portrays it asks the question I just don't want to give it too much away. I don't think you know nobody's going to write it the way I'm writing it. It basically asks the question the first time if Osama bin Laden came to you and said, "Hey, I'm I'm turning myself over to you, or you captured me, and now I want to help you stop all of these things that I did. Or if Darth Vader did that, could you trust him? Now, I know we have NBC's The Blacklist with the always sexy James Spader. Um, sexy, sexy Spader. And and I got to say, that show is cool. I haven't watched a lot of it. I watched most of the first season, and I like it. I have an, an old girlfriend working on that show right now as a costumer, uh, and I have a, a makeup friend working on that show in New York. And um, anyway, it's a beautiful concept, the idea that a bad guy, for whatever reasons, is going to come back. So at least the, what I'm working on isn't that exactly. It's, it's a uh, much more of an unfortunate little uh, trope, but I think it works. And um, 
to wrap up the shredder to wrap up this the shredder it this comic book was so good and i would give it uh if we're gonna do a scale of one to ten because we're still trying to figure out exactly how we're gonna how many shurikens uh i would (laughs) out of five i would give it like a four and a half and that is really that is that's that's tough for me to give out a four and a half the reason why I give it a four and a half, and again to wrap this up, is it made me rethink the ending of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, um, the first movie from '92. Yeah. The ending when completely flipped it on its head for me, and you, you see the turtles, they're down and out. They think Splinter's dead. Oh yeah. They're freaking out. Splinter shows up, and he's like, "Yes, I know who you are, Roku Saki." And it was in my head since I was a kid. It's been like, "Oh, great." Splinter's there to save the day. No. What this is is years and years of anger and hate that he's been that's been festering within Splinter. This is the showdown. This is not about my, about the boys that I raised trying to defeat you. This is about me getting revenge from my master. I never really thought about it that way. And he did it so honorably. He Splinter didn't even hit the guy. Yeah, he just got out of the way, didn't he? He just got like he got out of the way. Oh he, yeah. And then he got out of the way and he and he ended it on his terms without murdering. He's like, You'll die. You know, death comes for us all. Yeah. But when it comes for you, it'll be without honor. And that's what this comic book is about. And uh that's oh, it. Let's let's, wow. let's move on. Dude, for real. Do I feel like we could go on and on about that? I know, right? Is this sorry, is that in the main continuity or is this a side book that's gonna be collected as a trade paperback oh, or something? This is this is definitely main continuity. Like all really? the stuff that everything that the happens this, I love it. Everything that happens within the Turtle Universe and I, IDW mm-hmm. is canon. Yeah, there's a lot of little offshoot stuff. It's all canon. It all matters. It's beautiful. I, I'm 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 interested in seeing that when it's collected together. That looks like a really good story. Man. Uh, your turn, brother. What you got next? Um, I picked up Marvel Comics Presents number two. Uh, we had a lot of good things to say about the last one. Kind of hated the Greg Land art with the uh, Captain America plot line in number one. But in number two, we're continuing the Wolverine story where uh, he was a soldier in World War Two, and a witch showed up in Europe and um, he got involved having to fight some some demon. Uh, it's the fifties now. It's ten years later. Logan is uh, motorcycling across the country. The artwork is beautiful. Uh, he gets pulled to China, the Yangtze River Basin, when uh, there was there was uh, a major flood there, and lots and lots of people got killed. But for some reason, I don't see why that ties into what's going on in this story at all. He gets kind of teleported there by the daughter of the witch from the first story 10 years ago and she's grown she's more grown up now she's still like a kid but she's not you know four or five she's probably like 15 16 or something they don't really say and now she's got to take on this evil creature that is the truth and um i mean wolverine's like okay we got a pact you know my blood your blood we both have the same blood in our veins when it comes to this thing and i got to fight it they don't solve anything it doesn't really build upon anything uh i don't know i don't know what's going to happen i definitely don't know if it's worth keeping up with keeping up but if you're looking for something classic wolverine that doesn't have wolverine that's embodied by the phoenix or having infinity gems or 
Uh, his new stupid power. All of this stuff that's been going on with him, and you just want, the, want a pure bone claw, pre-adamantium Wolverine story. You know, hey, this is good. Keep up with it. The Mr. Fantastic story, you know, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four that's in this, I liked a lot more because it is a pre-Cosmic Rays, pre-superpowered Fantastic Four story. Ben Grimm is in his, uh, I'm going to qualify this as an Army Air Force uniform because I know he's a pilot. And uh, this, I mean, this this is taking place in 1957, but by that point the Air Force existed. It's just a continuity error. I mean, if he's in the Air Force, he should have an Air Force uniform on, but he's wearing olive drab, so that can't be the thing. Um, and basically, Reed Richards is, um, he's beating himself up over the fact that Sputnik got launched before... His contributions could get Americans into space first. So they have an experimental rocket they're trying to do something with, and some Reds, some Soviets, some Russians get in there. Pinko bastard. (laughs) Yeah, for all of you people who don't know who the communists were, because I know there's a lot of... I'm sorry, I'm not dissing anybody. I know there's a lot of people who aren't paying attention in history class. This is a Cold War story at its finest. And uh, Reed Richards is a scientist working on a military base, trying to find a way to get rockets to happen. And some red infiltrators got in there. They steal this thing. And uh, Ben and Reed basically being adventurers. While the B plot is that, listen to this. This is what this is the thing that brings it. It's it, it, you. Not only is it the friendship between Ben and Reed that gives it its heart, but he Reed dumped Sue because what? Reed dumped Sue in this story. And Ben has come to get him to take her back because he's being a doofus and he's so wrapped up in, I got to, my, my duty to my country. I got, I feel terrible because I should have done more. I should have been in the lab. And so he ditched her because she's a distraction. No, man, that's not the right thing to do. So that upsets me. That upsets me. But, uh, Uh, you know, Hey, there's a, uh, a great moment later where we find out that none of these guys, none of these saboteurs or sneaky infiltrators or Thieves were, in fact, Reds. They were um, Latverian, dressed as Reds, and Doctor Doom was behind this plot. And uh, you realize that this thing that they've been working on is an opportunity to get a, a rocket into space and chart the radiation fields out there, which turn out to be what the cosmic rays are that are going to give them their powers. It's a cool little one-off. It doesn't need to be more than six or eight pages long. It does a lot in no time. And I think that little story by itself is worth the, the well, I was going to say three ninety nine, but this is four ninety nine. Do you, do you feel that they're capturing what Marvel Comics presents should be? Yeah, I'm going to say so, because at its best, MCP is, you know, vignettes. And they want to keep you coming back, so... You start something, you run it for like six or seven issues, and maybe it becomes legendary, or maybe it's just another Wolverine story. Um, And then you put in a little one-shot. And I think the beauty of it is that it gives so many people the opportunity to do something. Unfortunately, well, actually, yeah, the Wolverine one is one guy. Fantastic Four. I'm flipping through it. Yeah, it's Mark Wade. I mean, Mark Wade is a great FF writer. Uh Think about these things where it's like, okay, I couldn't build onto this while I was writing 
my main continuity stuff for this title. Now I get the opportunity to take this little nugget I had and stick it in there. I think that this is a great book of opportunities for these people. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's doing what it's supposed to do. That's what I'm going to say. After that, you had a uh, you had a, um, a Gorilla Man, Marvel Spotlight on Gorilla Man. And I'm sorry, I grabbed this thing tonight because I did not pick it up. I uh, Okay, let's tell that story real quick. Um, you really, really wanted to do the goon, the goon number one. Um, and, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. get to my comic store. Like the Dude, past, like, I, I live in Colorado Springs. We've had like a crazy, like winter vortex thing happen. Like it was amazing. I made it home. Okay. Like leaving early from work. It literally felt like we were getting attacked by a Wendigo. That's what it looked like outside. <laughs> if I was going to make a horror movie about a, a Wendigo, looking outside like our our windows were frozen over it was hard to open the door so i couldn't we really want to talk about the goon we'll talk about it next week but you got it you got you were able to pick it up but we weren't able to read it before we started recording. yeah i just want to give a shout out to the uh, store i picked it up at i should have picked this up yesterday at legendary i failed to do so because it wasn't clicking in my head i don't have a subscription i was it's one of those that i was just picking up off of the news or off of the uh the rack and um I should have picked it up yesterday when I saw it, but it just wasn't clicking that that was the number two issue. So you were like, I need a copy of The Goon. And so after I took my boy to uh, his Taekwondo class, I mean, I was over in Tulsa and I was like, oh, hey, I'm right by Mammoth Comics on 11th Street in Tulsa. I will run over there and pick up that copy of The Goon. We haven't got to read The Goon yet, but I and I only got to read the uh, two, uh, the Wolverine and the... Um, Mr. Fantastic story. I have not got to read the third story in here, Gorilla Man, yet. But uh, if anybody gives a rip, I will. I'll. I'll do like a blurb on it in our uh, in our um, blog spot. What do you got next? I, I always feel like I'm blessed when it comes to comic hunting. You're with me that day, and when talking about the Goon, when we were at Half Price Books off of May in uh, in, OKC. in OKC. Yeah. And uh, they had this giant bag of, like, a grab bag, and it was, like, $20. And I, oh. the, the, the front said goon number one, and they had, like, goon number, like, 28 or something like that on the back. And it was 20 bucks, and I'm, I, I risked the 20 bucks and got almost the entire first run of Eric Powell's goon all in one shot for 20 bucks. It was beautiful. That's the same place I got Watchmen number one. Uh, mm-hmm. That's oh, – God, that place was awesome. It's uh, great. Yeah, but – but let's not talk about me right now about the goon because <laughs> I want to talk about actually in regards to just a segue into uh, the next comic book and give us a shout out. What was the comic store one again? One more time. Uh, Mammoth Comics in Tulsa on uh, 11th Street, right next to a totally killer toy store. Also right next to a great uh, gaming store called uh, Dice Addiction. Right, and uh, the guys at this store told you to get Murder Falcon, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm running around in there, and I was like, "Hey, I'm also supposed to pick up Calamity Kate." They were like, "We got two, and we sold out." And then, um, uh, so I didn't pick that one up. But uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm trying to. We're we're doing a podcast, and so I'm trying to pick up a few more things before we get to it." And um, I was like, "I got to pick up my boy again tomorrow, so I'll be back if uh, this is awesome." And uh, they said, "You got to read Murder Falcon." I was like, well, okay, at least it's not me always only reporting on Marvel Comics. Um, this is an image book. It's uh, tied in with Skybound. This is actually a second printing now that I see it. Uh, it's by 
Daniel Warren Johnson, who is the creator, artist, writer, and letterer. Uh, in addition to Russ Wooten, a letterer, and Mike Spencer, a colorist. There's a lot going on here. The guy's a legit metalhead. I read this back in November, and then I yeah. forgot to keep picking. It. I forgot to tell them to put it back in my and put it in my pull list, and oh. I feel like an idiot. We're failing all over the place. Uh, keeping up with stuff. Honestly, guys, I mean, this is not my thing, but it is so freaking good. I can't. I'm really like when I when I told you about it. You were like, uh, it's a guy in a van and uh, blah, 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 and it's a fat guy, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I read it, and then I forgot about it. And I was like, okay, so now we know the reason why. Uh, we're up to issue six. If you're going to your local store and you're looking for it, there are at least six issues out now. Um, for, for all you death me- uh, metalheads out there, uh, me being one of them, mm-hmm. if you like the movie Deathgasm, and, and you've heard that if you hear me say Deathgasm, it's one of my favorite movies. If you like Deathgasm, you're gonna freaking love this comic book. I man, I I I the first page, the amount of detail going into the monster, going into this tank, it's really cool. Basically, it's one of those things where it starts in the middle of things and then it shoots you back to why this guy has powers. And the story is. You've got this overweight, long, blonde-haired uh, dude who loves driving around in his uh, in his van. He was in a killer thrash band, and uh, he had a wife. She must have died. He feels terrible. It it messed with his head, and at some point in the medium distant past, he kind of flipped out, smashed his guitar, broke up the band, and he's been kind of sucking lately. Uh, yeah. He's down on his luck, and then uh, there are all there are cute little allusions to that there are monsters coming out of nowhere, and um, <laughs> a character card called Murder Falcon appears to him when a monster bursts out of his closet and, and says, "You got to play the guitar because I need the power of rock." And so when he thrashes on his guitar, um, the one that he smashed, which magically rebuilds itself uh it gives murder falcon the power kind of like when seth rollins stomps on the uh thing and everybody says burn it down and then he can defeat the uh the uh thug he happens to be fighting or anybody for that matter you know nothing like a good curb stomp nothing like a good ass curb stomp i mean when you give when you give murder falcon what he needs when you give him some some wicked licks he's he can he's got the power and he can defeat any monsters what it seems like uh, and Murder Falcon is this, he's got like a falcon's head with a bandana, he's got a tied up wrist, you know, like a wrestler, uh, he's got a belt buckle that says MF, that's freaking great, and then he's got like a techno arm, and he's always got lightning, so these guys are an interesting dynamic duo for the, uh, 21st century, I think, and, um, I'm, I'm gonna say, the art is really, really good and really detailed, it's cartoony, but realistic, the expressions are great. Like, like I mean, I loved what you were saying about color palette and everything earlier. I wasn't going there. But uh, I love all the settings. I love the good-naturedness of this story. Every person that he encounters, except for the cops who don't know him, uh, our protagonist, they only want the best for this guy, and they realize how much he's hurting. And Murder Falcon comes out. And kicks some ass, and uh, he only murders monsters, 
and I can just see this going somewhere. It's And then, like, go to the notes page. It's the last page in the book before you get to this, uh, uh, what are they, a side story? I forget what that's called. And um, there is a nice letter from the creator, Daniel Warren Johnson, who basically takes it and he says, everyone is either in a storm currently or will be in one Sunday. Someday. It's inevitable. Sorry, it'll happen on uh, Sunday. We'll be all be in the storm. All I'm going to say is this is a good-natured book that I think is worth picking up. And I can't uh, wait to read it in trade, man. Yeah, I know. In trade, I think this will be really, really great. As a, That's going to be a nice one on the shelf. It's going to yeah, be a nice one on the shelf. As a number one, um, you know, good luck finding a number two or a number three and whatever. You might have to go to a couple of different stores. I don't think this has the print run of, say, uh, Infinity War. Anyway, what do you got? Uh, I want to do some real quick one-offs um, in regards to what you mentioned about Calamity Kate. I was able to get my hands on this early yesterday before right everything on. went crazy. Um, I want to talk about what <laughs> Jeff Lemire says at the beginning of the, the comic book. Okay, so Calamity Kate, number one, by Dark Horse Comics, written by Magdalene Visaggio, uh, drawn by uh, Corin Howell, artist. The artwork's beautiful, but the thing that... I, I, when I say real quick, Jeff Lemire, there is a blurb from him in the front that says, Corn Howell's artwork on Calamity Kate is popping with energy and Mags Visaggio's imbues the characters with life. This book is fun, clever, and eye-catching. Yes, but it depends on who you are. If you are a hipster that is into the latest zombie monster craze, yeah, you're going to like it. Um, the artwork is phenomenal. The, the beautiful colors, great action sequences, linear storytelling is phenomenal. The story is it it's got potential. I want to say it, it it might have potential. I'm going to say it might have potential. Uh lesbian monster killer who's a bad roommate that has a bad past that we haven't we don't know yet. <laughs> okay. That's that's that that's basically all they they did in this first issue. Uh last week I forgot to get into one of my favorite comics from last week. We mentioned it and then I forgot to get into it and I feel like I dishonored it. Ronan Island by Greg Pak and Giannis uh, Milan- Milo no go- Milo no Giannis Milo no Giannis. <laughs> Not everybody Again, can be keep- Mark Wade. <laughs> yeah, we keep getting all these crazy names. Uh, Greg Pak, of course, has had huge impacts with Incredible Hulk. I believe he's the one that created uh, Weapon H, the amalgam of Wolverine and the Hulk. Which has oh, potential right to die. It's it's died. Like it's it's it's, it's, over. it's floundering. It's it's not over. It's just floundering. The mm. the first couple issues when they did they did the main tie in with the totally awesome Hulk, uh, amazing. However, Greg Pak, you can tell, wrote Ronan Island with the absolute care that someone that really loves Princess Mononoke. Ooh, right on. Or, or Spirited Away. The pace of the storytelling and the way the the characters speak to each other is exceptionally the same way the way characters speak to each other in a, in a really good, beautiful anime. Muted pastel type colors. Pretty. Basically, what has happened is there's an island filled with Ronin. They are masterless. There is a giant wind that basically, I, I want to say a wind and a tsunami that wiped everything out. And they've been self-sustained on this island for, I want to say, at least one generation. And the shonen's you know, head guy shows up and says, hey, you guys are here. You owe us a lot of money or 
you know, your, your goods, that sort of thing. And they're like, yeah, you know, screw you. This ain't happening. Who the hell are you? We saw the, the, you know, the Shogun, you know, he was, he's dead. And he's like, no, no, he's alive. Go ahead and give me, go ahead and give me your stuff. And no, no, that's not going to happen. And he's okay. Well, you don't know what's out there. And we don't care. We don't believe you. We want to see it for ourselves. Let's go talk before we start debating. He's like, no, there's not going to be a debate. You're going to go ahead and give me what, what, what we need. We, you know, like, equivalent of dowry or something like that yeah. i can't think of the right word and they're like no we're gonna talk and he's like, okay well those things are gonna kill you then and then they should they you know they zoom out and they show like basically an evil evil army of monsters headed their way wonderful i can't wait for this to continue it's from boom comics by the way okay that is that's from boom comics and then spider-man number 17 by nick spencer and humberto ramos Craven is executing the beginning of his plans. I would give this comic book a solid three. And the reason I call it solid three is because I, it has the three is my line in the sand for this better be good. It's Spider-Man. The writing better be perfect. The art better be perfect. It's not blowing my mind where I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be the best you know, legendary Spider-Man comic. Not like the last time that really happened was with Superior Spider-Man. Mm. I'd give Sp- Superior Spider-Man a solid five, but I'd give this a three because this is where it should be. The potential of it is actually real juicy, man. It's real juicy. But that's yeah. that's pretty much all you really need to know about that one. Just pick it up. It's Dude, fighting. I got it. I got it. I, uh, yeah. I got to say, you totally sold me on this. To me, as... Like and I know we talked about this in the past as a as a fan of Spider-Man, even though I've had my issues with it the last few years, um, it's just hard for me to to know what to do with Spider-Man. Sometimes it strayed so far from anything that I could uh, uh, wrap my head around. Some, uh, but Craven is dead, and I'm not going to say that Marvel doesn't keep bringing back to life people who are dead, but. Mm. Craven died about- so well in Craven's Last Hunt way back in the mid 80s. You know, yeah, but their their spin on this is that Craven doesn't really like being alive and the curse is that only the spider can kill him. However, it's Craven. Well, that'll never happen. So That's fantastic. So, so it's Craven. Of course he he's not just going to roll over and let the spider kill him to fulfill some prophecy. He's going to make it a lot of fun. It's it's going to be worth their while. Dude, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm if, if I still, I still got to, I mean, I'm, I know, and I'm going to, I'm reading it. I, I picked them up. I'm, I'm excited to check this out. Craven. I'm so proud I guess you're reading Spidey in. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I appreciate, you know, how much pressure in, in a positive fashion that you put on me to keep up with Spidey over all these years, despite all of the, you know, hand wringing that I've gone over with it. Uh, you were totally right about the superior Spider-Man. Uh, I remember working on a movie and being in a hotel room, having a conversation with somebody that was a coworker about Superior Spider-Man and being like, what is this? And she was like, no, this is brilliant and not getting it. But she also liked Prometheus and I didn't get Prometheus either. So, uh, and that was the, that'll tell you how long ago this story was, but that um, was difficult. The <laughs> Prometheus, I yeah. had to watch it twice. Second time after reading the Wikipedia page twice. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes uh, you need the uh, 
I'm a huge fan of Dune, and sometimes you have to hand out a pamphlet for people to know what the hell's going on at the beginning of a movie. Uh, it shouldn't be like that. But um, nevertheless, that's a thing that happened when Dune was released in 1984. No, I picked up these Spidey books. I'm going to read them. Uh, I've got them. I haven't got through them yet. Kind of ran out of time on some stuff this week. I should have read those last night, but uh, there were other things pressing for my time. Uh, Tell me yeah. about Tony Stark, Iron Man number nine. Dude, this feeds into my uh, existing Machine Man bit, um, which I'm getting really close. I think in I think in uh, I think maybe even our next podcast I can long box on Machine Man. And you know I what? need about two more weeks for Machine Man to to get. To you get think so? Kind of, yeah, for me to get caught up in all the Machine Mans that oh, I like. Okay. I've only worked my way through maybe a quarter of them. I think you know. Hey, even if we don't long box it, maybe no, what we need to do it. is we we're need to subscriber it. content. You want a long box? Okay, we'll do that. Um, yeah. Okay, Tony Stark, Iron Man number nine, dude. I am so glad to have this. Like, like I said, I picked up issues one through three. They got boxed. I was working on something. I didn't get back to them. I found them. I pulled them out. You know what did we do? We bought. We bought. What was it? Issue seven because of that cover. And right. uh, here I am really getting it and really liking this situation. It's just, it's a perfect Tony Stark problem to have. So I'll tell you what I really appreciate about this. Not Artisan only, writer. Huh? Artisan writer. Artisan writer. Oh, you know it, man. It's Dan Slott. It's uh, da, 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 da. Valero Shidi and uh, Paolo Rivera. Because you've got multiple different artworks going on in here to depict multiple different uh, concurrent realities. Not necessarily. Situations, definitely. You've got the things that are going on in the real world, which are, t- I'm glad you asked that now, tied into the things that are going on into a virtual reality video game kind of dreamscape. So there, it, that, that demands two different artworks, I think. And they, they've really kicked the crap out of it in the best possible way. Um, you know, I mean, I'm going to say that the controller looks funky no matter what. Uh, the Wasp, he's got a good thing going with that. I'm, I'm a little, I'm still a little disappointed. I understand where they were in the story, why, the, why War Machine isn't in his War Machine armor. But maybe it's because we're bored with that. I don't really think that I am, but I get I'd never it. be bored with that. I mean, you've because you, you've got a Tony running around in Iron Man armor, and then you've got a machine or you've got a War Machine running around in War Machine armor, and it's like, okay, well, what's the difference? I think there's a clear difference. But anyway, he's you know, Rhodey is flying around in this in this machine. Um, uh, if, I, if I get the name of it off the top of my head, I'll get to it. It just hasn't. I, I just I'm not, that's not the most exciting aspect of it. Uh, what really I dig is this interior story with uh tony wondering whether or not since he was dead and he has uploaded himself into new cellular structure if he still has a soul he doesn't that. know if there's any part of him that's still real and, redemption huh? redemption baby redemption yeah but i guess the real question is does it matter is tony stark really dead if we're going to kill off a character and then we're going to find a creative way to bring him back, I can accept this. So I'm, I'll go back and I'll check out this business with Craven to see why there's a Craven running around. The only 
I mean, two Cravens running around. Oh my god. <laughs> two for the price of one. Uh, you know, I'll go back and still got a character moments where people come back from the grave for one reason or another. They don't always work on me. Sorry, guys. I just, I'm like, if you're going to kill a character, keep them dead. Unless they're the Phoenix. You know? I think, you, I guess you can cut off Sabretooth's head and he's going to keep coming back. Let alone Wolverine. But anyway, I kind of like this business of, uh, like I say, Tony Stark's soul being in question. Because when you get into that aspect of the reality, you will see it right away because the artwork is different. It's fun. It's kitschy. It's 60s glam. Love it, that. Yeah, his mother, his birth mother, as uh, developed by the International Iron Man title by Bendis and Maleev, uh last year, very much alive in this story, but his mother, who technically raised him, paired up with Howard Stark, his father, are all, tr- are all in this reality where Tony is getting given everything that he wants. The Playboy lifestyle... Being the superhero, all the money, getting to drink, that we haven't seen that for a while. Um, and uh, his mom has to figure out what's going on. And she gets transformed into quite a fetching-looking, original costume, Black Widow. Because if you don't know it, Black Widow and Hawkeye were villains in Iron Man in the original iteration. And uh, if you haven't been reading this... It's probably worth flipping through it uh, because this costume is its awesome. Um, Machine Man makes his appearance and he actually doesn't come off like a total twerp like they've he didn't been piss doing you off with this him. Time? Sorry? He didn't piss you off this time? Uh, it, it, you know, Machine Man isn't what pisses me off. It's the way he's being written. Because he's a guy I feel like should be taken seriously and I just don't dig the... Uh, Oh, yeah, fleshy meat bags crap that he's always spewing. Because I think that got that got blown, overblown, and taken way out of uh, context by, what is it, Warren Ellis and Next Wave. But um, my, my, my favorite things are these callbacks. Since it's the 60s in his head, my favorite thing is this callback to where Iron Man in his original armor had skates that popped out of the bottom of his boots. And he goes skating around trying to find Machine Man. And then I laugh because Machine Man is like, roller skates? What decade is this? Which is laughable because even Jack Kirby in his earliest Machine Man iteration had Machine Man popping one half of a skateboard out of each of his feet and then clicking them together so he could skate through traffic. That's awesome. Uh, It's just funny to see Machine Man making fun of that. Uh, Then we also see a Crimson Dynamo. On the moon, we see, of course, like, Tony Stark drinking, that's a big deal. And then um, a red scare, another red scare. Lots of communism going on. Machine Man is able to alter his appearance in this to look like a uh, to look like a giant commie. Anyway. Goddamn pinko bastards. Yeah. <laughs> F those guys. By the way, yeah, by the way, if you guys are, like, hardcore Alexandria Corstasia uh, Cortez, whatever the hell her name is, you're not going to like us. You should probably just, like, take off the podcast right now. What's your name, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The, 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 uh, socialist, the socialist Democrat? Uh, yeah. 
I'm not gonna get. Well, we'll save. Uh, we'll save comments on that we'll for my, uh, we'll Captain for Marvel, my Captain get, Marvel bitches sheet. Once, once we're done, uh, the planet title. We're Captain done with Marvel this. bitches. Captain Marvel bitches. They're Actually, my bitches. They're not. It's not a gender comment. I'm trying I know, to be I, very relaxed about anything. I'm not. I'm not gonna. We'll, we'll get into politics another time. I just don't care. I, I just know as soon as I'm recording, I'm in, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> You'll never be in politics now. Nope, 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 not at all. What else you got? You uh, got anything else? The one thing I do like about them using Iron Man so crappily is because you know why. So crappily? How do you mean? Well, if they're not doing a good job with Machine Men right now, somebody else will. That's I, I, I totally dig. I mean, and I think we can. But that's uh, we've, that's we've, for we've got our inside track here. That's for the future. That's a little. That's a little teaser. That's for three years ago. That's for, <laughs> we got to get that back into the future. I know, right? Yeah. All uh, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else I got next. Let's see. Pull up my list here. I'm just looking how pretty you are. I'm just looking how pretty you are in my, in my Skype window right now. Uh, me? <laughs> I'm wearing. I'm yeah. I'm I'm in the best dress I could possibly muster this morning. I'm wearing a Kevin Owens shirt right now. My fight, Owens fight. Hey, let's no. All right, we're going to bring up Kevin Owens again because we'll, we were talking we'll, we'll about that yesterday. Uh huh. We're getting a bit. All right, Winter Soldier. Oh, this one. Winter I've been Soldier. wanting to talk. About, I've been wanting to talk about Winter Soldier since we started the podcast. Okay, so this is number four. Uh huh. Uh huh. Written by Kyle Higgins, artist Rod Rice. Letterer VCs Clayton Cowles. Again, that VC just keeps popping up. We should probably talk to those guys, right? <laughs> when am I going to – I'm going to reach out to these guys now. We'll, <laughs> All right, we'll, go for it. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay, so if you guys aren't reading Winter Soldier right now, issue number four, the latest one that came out Wednesday, Bucky is basically hunting down people in need of redemption and showing them how to forgive themselves. Oh my god, it, why am I not reading this? This is beautiful already. That's a great story. In the process, he is accosted by a very young man who has been recruited by Hydra. I want to say I want to say he's probably about 15, maybe 16 to assassinate Bucky. His name's RJ. The guy that was raising him, because obviously he's one of those motherless fatherless Poor sad saps, you know, basically raised him to be an assassin, like almost mm-hmm. Dick Grayson like. And he fails at killing, you know, Bucky. Bucky, you know, takes out the guy that was training him and he tells him, This is what I'm doing. I can do the same for you. He's got some growing pains with the boy. He's a boy. It, it gave me chills. I'm still like this is one of the best ones. It's one of the best comics out right now. I'm giving this one a solid five just from like the the these this is why stories exist. This is that comic that calls to you, why, why, why do I want to read this? And then when the subject matter pops up, oh, this is why. This mystically called to me. And this, it did the same thing for me too. Same thing for me as well because I, I, I feel the same way. I feel the way Bucky is. Yeah. I feel the same way that the people he's trying to help. Well, said young boy, Mr. RJ, he's – the veil of Hydra is gone. It's ruined. He's not one of those pre-programmed people. He realizes what he was put through was BS. But at the same time, he's had some knockdown dragouts with the Winter Soldier. Last issue, they had a uh, 
a fight with the spot and him and Bucky came to terms about the spot. Well, yeah, the spot. Spider Man villain, the, the guy that's all white with the. With the I know uh, he's a, yeah, he's a spectacular Spider Man villain. Most recently uh, appearing in Jessica Jones. Yeah, covered in the Acme black holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know they get into it in issue three. They get into it. He's like, "Listen, I read your journal. You you're just like me, and you're just as messed up as me. How can you possibly tell me that I can be better?" And he's like, "I'm showing it to you." Just because I still have issues with what's happened to me doesn't mean that you can't be better. And But it also means that it's not going to go away. That is something that's really important. Forgiving yourself does not mean that all the bad stuff goes away. It just means you've, you've made amends with it. It's no longer a demon that has control over you. And that's what Bucky's trying to show this kid. That's very issue American four. History X, if you don't mind me oh. jumping in. Oh, I never mind you jumping in, man. Everything you always say is perfect. I love you. Muchos aficionados. And probably some American <laughs> money, too. <laughs> well, it, of course, so uh, it, issue three ended with, okay, I can I can hang out with you. I can learn to be okay. And then what happens in comic books when everything's okay? A monkey wrench get... flies out of nowhere. <laughs> no, yeah. you get three issues of The Walking Dead where you're waiting for something to happen. Not in this case. Not in this case because it's not The Walking Dead. They, you, you get two whole pages. Okay, there's something going here. There, there's no secrets. They, they, they're a really good team, um, ward and mentor. And then of course the kids like Deadbeat Dad shows up in, in issue three. Issue four shows up. Deadbeat Dad was actually in jail for most of this kid's life, and. You know, he wants to have a you know relationship with his boys, constantly taking him out to lunch and dinner, and the boys having trouble with it. But he does give in. He's still a boy. No, my dad's redeemed himself. He's not, you know, he's not what he says he is. And okay, okay, I believe you, kid. You know, just be careful. And then, of course, the dad is accosted by some mob guys that you know he owes money to, even though he just got out of jail. He already owes some like loan shark fifty thousand dollars. Ooh, at twenty five. That makes at sense. Twenty five percent. At twenty five percent a week, yeah, that's if, an if, outrage. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Your banker screwed you. Has so, anybody seen Drive? That's what happens to uh, Oscar uh, Oscar Isaac's character, more or less. One of the best movies I ever. Love that love damn it. movie. Love that movie. I was never sold on Ryan Gosling until I, until he beat that guy to death in the uh, elevator, and you know was still worried about getting his awesome Korean like polyester jacket, like with a giant dragon on the back. That was like one thing that we, growing up in the Air Force was the kids that their dads went to Korea. They oh, always yeah. had like they always had that kick ass like polyester jacket with a huge dragon on the back, like a yakuza tattoo. If you don't know what we're talking about, watch Top Gun and look at Tom Cruise's jacket when he's got that scene with Tom Skerritt. And he's saying, like, hey, do I come back and graduate or not? And he's like, yeah, you totally can. Hmm. Well, And that's the whole scene. Well, it's a, it's a kick-ass jacket. Um, Sorry, we digress. Completely digress. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, where was I? Okay, so, of course, the dad's a piece of shit. Yeah. He's trying to recruit the boy into some nefarious... Let's rob a card playing game. And Bucky's already given the guy a chance. Listen, we found out. We found out this. And he's like, all right, all right. And he gets him a job as a bar back, gets him a, gets him a, uh, a, a apartment. 
gives them some cash, gives them a phone, says, don't call anyone that you used to know. Yeah, no problem. Of course, he calls someone immediately. And Bucky finds out that Bucky finds out that this guy is actually the day before he left prison was uh, visited by someone from Hydra. They get into it in a dark alley. He's like, listen, you're about to recruit your son to, you know, rob a card game. Basically, yeah. they get in a little bit of a tussle, a tussle, a tussle, whatever you want to call it. Bucky basically pushes the guy. Guy slips, falls, hits his head, breaks neck. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's kind of what's going on in Daredevil right now. Oh, how so? Listen. Oh, well, you know, I'm sorry. I feel like, I feel like I'm spiking. Uh, Daredevil's got this whole plot line going on where, uh, he might not be in top form after the recent man with, or the, the, uh, the, the no fear plot line. That's K-N-O-W fear plot line preceding the relaunch of the regular title. He's out there being Daredevil again, and he thinks that, uh, Everybody thinks that Daredevil may have accidentally or may have killed this guy, which is totally not his M.O. And uh, Matt is second-guessing everything in the most recent issue because he's wondering whether or not that guy died by his hands. And uh, it cannot be ascertained. I mean, the guy breaking his neck is what I'm getting at. You looking it up? No, I'm just really thinking about why haven't I read these Daredevils because you keep telling me to do it and I like, keep getting mad at you for not reading Spidey and you're finally reading Spidey and I'm like, yeah, I'll read Daredevil. <laughs> We're both going to be reading Spidey. You can be reading Daredevil. It's fine. I'll get to it in a bit. Dude, okay, so let me ask you this and I'm sorry because you may have made this point uh, already. Bucky slash the Winter Soldier, is this following off of... I'm I'm th- it's not Infinity War. I'm thinking it was oh th- I'm sorry, Secret uh Secret Empire. Secret Empire, yes. He's dead. He died for everybody, right? But he immediately was not dead because he really wasn't dead. And so Winter Soldier right. slash Bucky can drive around all over the United States on a motorcycle and handle stuff in his own fashion like when exactly. Captain America was nomad. Exactly. Oh, what a great okay yeah he he literally I has a motorcycle it. he's always running around him. literally yeah. has a motorcycle Captain uh, America there's... needed that nomad plotline to be able to reconnect with what America was in the seventies or eighties or whatever you want to call it and or whatever time it actually was because he's the man without time so how's he ever going to understand that Bucky is essentially the same thing. You know, and Bucky going around handling street level stuff like that is just a killer storyline. And I think even the same thing with the Black Widow right now. If the Black Widow's dead, having anybody who's dead to the to the public going around and handling stuff, man, it's just a great story. I feel like there was phenomenal. There was a. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, Cobra? I can't think of it. There's like a TV series, I recall. I, this is too much of a hazy subject. I probably shouldn't even bring it up. But I remember you're, talking there being Rene- a show. you're talking about Renegade. Yeah, there was Lorenzo a show like Lannis. that in the 80s where you had a kind of a hot Latin, Latin guy who was 
going around. He's you know he's technically dead, and he's going around and he's just solving little mysteries and stuff. Wasn't it Equalizer? Yeah, Renegade. Huh? Yeah, Renegade. It was Renegade. That's what it was. Yeah. He was in a like slick Bobby car, though, look, right? Looked like a no, no. He had a motorcycle. He had a motorcycle. I feel like yeah, this is motor- a plot that comes back over and over and over again. It's a good plot. Characters like Bucky should do this. The Black Widow should do this. She should be dead for a while, and like technically, and solving street level issues. Well, that's what's happening. Yeah, that's that's really that's yeah. Hey, you know. Way to go, sisters of uh, sisters of widows, um, who are writing that that title right now. What are their names? Oh shit! Let me look it up. <laughs> I've got a I got a short box here full of that. No, we we've talked about it in other podcasts, folks. If you haven't seen that one already, you know. No, I I can find them real quick because I know they wrote that movie Dead Hooker in a trunk. If we had it in front of us, like we've been doing. Holy food, we've got computers in front of us. Let's talk about Dead Hooker in a Trunk again. So I flipped through my short box real quick. Did you say that uh, Black Order was canned? Yes, Black Order is canned. Oh, yes. that's too bad because I was really liking that book. Soska Sisters. Soska Sisters. Soska Sisters. Sorry that they, took so they, long. Now, now I, I'm not too mad about Black Order being canned. Because they're show because they need to be in Guardians of the Galaxy right now. That's true. Where, where, where they but are right now. If we can have Wolverine on every team, we can have a Black Order storyline played through to its ultimate conclusion, and we can have the Black Order simultaneously dicking around in Guardians of the Galaxy, body snatching Thanos decapitated corpse. I can live right. with that. What I can't live with out of Guardians of the Galaxy right now is if somebody doesn't go into that black hole and figure out what happened to all those heroes. I'm Dead. listening to you. I just got mad for a second because I was looking up Nomad on the Marvel app and it said, yeah, great. Nomad is here. 92, 94. And only one issue and it's number four. Why the hell would you just put number four there and not the rest? Hey, man, maybe that's the I, I don't know off the top of my head. Feel like that's a Matt Price question or a Dan uh, Dan Nash question? Could be a Mark uh, a Mark question at uh, at uh, Legendary. But um, what I don't know. Does it have a character? Is it written by anybody in particular? No Is man. It Jim Lee artwork or something crazy? No, let me pull it up. No, it looks like shitty '90s like throwback stuff. Let's see. Dead Man's <laughs> Hand Part Two Number Four. Nomad. Let's see who wrote it. Uh, okay, Fabian Nicizia wrote it. Okay, that's not bad. I'd Did you say it was 92? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, actual... Cri- uh, 92, yes. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Fabian's co- co- co-creator of a uh, co-creator of uh, Deadpool, right? Oh, Fabian Nietzsche, yeah. James yeah. W. Fry III, Mark McKenna. Pat Oliff. Huh. First appearance of something? Doesn't look like it. No. Randoms in it for some reason. All right, never mind. Let, let's move on. Yeah, sorry. Uh, not n- no, probably no. not worth us looking into, except that since it's a no. four issues book, <laughs> maybe. I'll, and you guys know I'm in a Machine Man and Count Nefaria and Sunset Bane. Yeah, maybe I'll read it. Well, I want to talk about the Grim Knight number one. Okay, do it. Grim Knight DC number one, Scott Snyder, with uh, James Tinney in the fourth. Uh, Edward Risso is the artist. Dave Stewart is the colorist. Alex uh, Cipriano is the letterer. 
Mm-hmm. And Jock did the cover. Juicy, juicy Jock cover, by the way. Love that Jock. Oh, by the way, <gasps> uh, wh- oh, I, like this, this, this freaked me out. This <gasps> is so. This is not about what we're talking about right now. All right. Uh, Alistair Black, mm. my favorite guy right now in in WWE, other than my, you know my boy Kevin Owens. Sure. Posted a picture a, a couple months ago. I just recently decided to follow him for some reason of a commission that Jay Lee did for him because he knows who Jay Lee is. No way. Yeah, you guys, you guys should see the face. I'm looking at his face and I just like yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking at my uh, one and only Jay Lee painting, ink painting of uh, Namor. The Prince Jay of Lee the Blood. Did a, huh? Jay Lee did a portrait of him for himself. It was oh. beautiful. That, that means Alistair Black is in the know. So that made me even love him even more. Not to mention the hot Mexican girlfriend of his. We can, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, back to the Grim Knight number one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Do it. So we all, if you guys have read Batman Metal that came out last year, there's alternate universes where Batman had X amount of influence. And they're bringing the two best characters from that that storyline into the actual Batman canon at the moment. Uh, the Grim Knight and the Batman that laughs, the Batman that laughs, I believe we've already covered that one. He's basically like a, if the Joker infected Batman. However, the Grim Knight is one of those stories where you see, what if this happened to Bruce Wayne? What if that happened to Bruce Wayne there in crime alley that weekend, you know, right after, you know, Zorro. Yeah. This is what if, Joe Chill dropped his gun after murdering the the Waynes, looking for the pearls, and young Bruce Wayne picked the gun up and executed this guy. That's who the Grim Knight is. So he starts Uh out immediately, immediately covered in vengeance, travels the world, decides he's going to use Gotham as his own tool to stop crime. This is, this was a really good issue. It, It, the artwork styles switch quite often. However, you're seeing like the flashbacks of the Grim Knights dimension where uh, Commissioner Gordon was a complete piece of shit and, you know, took oh, him that's sad. down and him being in our universe where he's actually has, you know, Jim right now, he's got him captured, but you get to see what, what built up the Grim Knight. Even, even Alfred was enslaved to him. Like Alfred actually quit, and he's like, "Hey, I told you what would happen if you quit." Like, yeah, I know. There's an implant in my brain that'll blow my head up. I don't care. I'm I'm out anyway. And he gets taken down. Jim finds out that he's, you know, Bruce Wayne is Batman. They they decommission all of this the Wayne Tech stuff, and he's arrested and humiliated in his own on his own front lawn. And now he's in the main DC universe, and he's got Jim. And he's about to kill him, and the Batman that laughs is like, "Hold on, hold on, don't. You know, we, we've got something else to do. Don't worry about it." And he's like, but I got no, 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 no. Calm down, there, buddy. Don't execute this guy. And Jim, okay. you know, Gordon's like, Gordon's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, don't worry. What we have in store for you is going to be way worse than death." End of story. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, I, I actually really like the Grim Knight a lot more than the Batman that laughs, despite the fact that it's the Batman that laughs looks a lot more. Funner to read. Is that a word, funner? I, I hate, no, man. Somebody said that in the middle of a thing, and I shouldn't have interjected the other day. I don't think that's a word. I don't care what anybody says. If it's enjoyable. not a word, if it is a word, it shouldn't be a word. That's not a good word. It's more fun. It is more fun. People sound like, uh, they just sound like, I, I, I just, dumbasses. Man, Ignorant. yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to insult the dumbasses of the world by saying that <laughs> dumbasses are the ones who say that, though. 
A lot of people say that. I'm sorry, guys. I just think it's uncouth, basically. So I'll be over here sitting with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or something. Just don't say the goddamn word funner. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never be written in any of my in any of my fiction or nonfiction. Well, that wraps up what I have for comics this week. Um, Colin, did you have anything else for comics? Not for comics per se, since uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel made rare use of its source material. Uh, Uh-oh, someone's pissed. <laughs> you want me to go on it now, or do you want to take a minute? Uh, before we get on to that, I do want to promise our readers that next week I will get into all the new Conan the Barbarian comics that came That's out. That's a There's great about, idea. There's about six of them. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, let's see what I'm going through on my box right here. Conan the Barbarian. I'm going to get caught up on Ninja Turtles for y'all and Green Lantern. Who's writing Green Lantern right now? Oh, uh, some dude named Grant Morrison. I've never freaking heard of him before. I bet he's an asshole. Are you Savage serious? Th- what? Yeah. F- forget it. i got to start reading Green, Green Lantern right now. Grant Morrison is writing Green Lantern. How long has that been going on? Uh, let's see. The issue, first issue came out about, like, I want to say four months ago when I f- first told you about it. Jeez. Then... <laughs> four months ago when, did you see four, uh, did you make any point of it when I was reading Marvel Boy or when we first yes. podcasted our, uh, or, or yes. our long box about? Yes. I, I, <sighs> I remember specifically calling to tell you when I bought issue three because Jay Lee did the variant cover and you're like, oh my God, I got to read it. Oh man. Oh man. It's Shall okay, I man. wait for trade? I got to wait for the trade. No, 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 no. This is coherent. This is coherent Morrison. It's not like multiversity. I liked that book. It was still good. It was, but this oh, is I'm coherent. Oh, Seven Soldiers. Sorry. This this is coherent. This is this Clary is, on the Witch Boy. Is, Boy, yeah. totally love Clary on the Witch Boy. You did not have to drop a lot of acid and turn the Wizard of Oz on to enjoy the new Green Lanterns. <laughs> Dude, if anybody could come up with some wacky constructs of what what a Green Lantern ring would be capable of, it's got to be GM. GM rather. GM. GM. Apparently, the uh, Green Lantern Corps is what's going to take down Dr. Manhattan in uh, Doomsday Clock. That would only make sense, too. It's Jeff Johns. Of course. He's the. In, in my mind, when I think Jeff Johns, I think Green Lantern in the same way I think X Men to Chris Claremont. Hey, subscribers and listeners, speculate for us. What do you think will be the thing that takes down Dr. Manhattan? Or will he get taken down? Or will he get. You know, uh, convinced to go mill around on Mars or something like that. What What do you guys and ladies think will happen with this story at the end? Also, you know, non-binary. Four years from now, when the book's over. Well, regardless, tell me why Captain Marvel pissed you off, other than the fact that. I have a beef with it because all of a sudden Nine Inch Nails is cool again because she's wearing. You know, my favorite band's shirt, and they did a like, collaboration on the website and stuff. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, did they? I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah she's I... wearing that white and shirt, and I was just like, girl, yeah. you, ain't know nothing. you ain't know nothing about no nine-inch nails. <laughs> You're too blonde to I be wearing. at any moment in the 90s that I ever saw anything nine-inch nails that wasn't black, like a black yeah. T-shirt. I can, um, probably, I can probably tell you three shirts that weren't black. There was the broken shirt with the black 
the black square with the yellow in. There was a white shirt that had the Nine Inch Nails logo on the front, and it had the a red logo in the back with like kind of like these spires spiraling like in a circle. Uh-huh. And then uh, what other? There was an off. There was like a tan color shirt for the Denver Spiral. There was actually artwork for the cover. I think I and had that, is, that one. Is the, it, it looks like there's a big shit stain on the back of it. So someone made fun of me in school. <laughs> it, looked, it looked like a big shit stain, so I stopped wearing it. Uh, I can't think of any other early ni- 90s. The movie takes place in 1995. Okay, so if it happened in 1995, then that means that Pretty Hate Machine, Broken, Downward Spiral, and burn from the natural born killers had come out already as well as dead souls from the crow. Okay. Um, Anyway, folks, sorry guys. Let's see here. Okay. Look, see this bitch. I tried very hard to be able to put into words how, what my perspectives were on the film, Captain Marvel last podcast and i failed miserably because i don't want to get drawn into this gender debate i don't want to get drawn into this there are so many guys there are so many guys on youtube and probably a lot of other places but i'm not going there who are complaining endlessly that captain marvel is a mary sue i mean Whatever. I just, I don't care about any of that stuff. They think that the movie is so woke. They think that the oh, movie God. is re-scripted around Brie Larson's uh, acceptance speech for an award. Um, there's a lot going on there. If you want to research that stuff, it's out there for you to look at. And I have seen men of color, men of not color... Men, all of them, I've seen women pissing and moaning about the gender thing with Captain Marvel. The solitary gender thing in Captain Marvel that I care about at all is that Dr. Walt Larson, the original Marvel, was gender swapped for no appreciable reason. I just don't like that. I just didn't make sense to the story. Just didn't make sense to the story. No, I mean that's that's the part that's that to me. I'm like, okay, well, if you're going, if you're going to do all this other stuff in this movie, and you're going to play, sorry, spoilers abound, guys. Spoilers. If you're going to play just a girl, by no doubt, during the climactic fight, preceding the climactic fight. Oh okay, God. that's a thing. If you're if you're gonna. You know what? I mean, there's all of that stuff. It's all there. Yeah, it's a very woman-specific movie. But I'll tell you Which what I great. did like about it was that if you're going to have Monica Rambo as a little girl, well, it gives you the opportunity for her to be an, a young woman by the time Endgame comes out, which we'll also have to talk about the new Endgame trailer that I saw today. Um, and if you're going to have Maria... Rambo be Carol Danvers' best friend. I gotta say that their bond as as friends and as being human females was tight and real and it was very good and it was well depicted. I liked that. I liked it. 
And I liked, you know, the believable approach of Carol to Monica, the little girl. Um, it was a little bit over the top at a certain point when uh, you got it just gets cutesy at a certain point. And I'm like, ugh, I don't, I don't, I don't need this anymore. But um, my I basically wrote down a little sheet of my bitches with the movie. Um, and seriously, folks, you got to skip ahead. I don't know to what time marker if you don't want spoilers. Uh, cat scratch eye patch. Seriously, that's the candy assed way that Nick Fury loses his eye. He doesn't t- pluck it out as did the, the, Odin. The, the gypsy, the gypsy, no gypsy? No, there's no gypsy. Uh, Son of a bitch. There's no, there's no, like, he doesn't pluck it out to gain ultimate knowledge like Odin did. Even though Odin apparently lost his eye in a scene, uh, or like one of the establishing scenes in the Thor movies, instead of going that far, you know. Right, right, which is what, well, real Odin, well, yeah, I mean. Mythological Odin did it. Yeah. Plucked his eye out for, for knowledge. So, I mean, Nick Fury didn't do that. He got scratched by an alien cat. It got infected, and he loses an eye. I'm just like, ah, that's cute. That is some hipster bullshit. It's super cute. Like, these cute things are happening, and I'm like, hipster bullshit. There's already cute stuff in other Marvel movies that don't have to be that. Uh, I just, and also, I just don't get why... Nick Fury, who is a colonel in the United States military, a spy, and he has a security clearance that is over uh, uh, Clark. Oh, my gosh. Over um, Coulson's. (laughs) He's clearly Coulson's boss. Like, why isn't he more hardcore? He doesn't develop into more hardcoreness from 1995 to 2000. Eight to 2019 like it just doesn't play I just don't see him getting ordered around pushed around told what to do by an alien for one thing uh, so that's enough of that uh, the Tesseract is in space why Captain America the first Avenger the feature film established that Howard Stark picked up the Tesseract on the seafloor after Captain America saves America and the world by crashing Hydra's super, right, right. super weapon plane. Um, so the Tesseract was found. Why are we rediscovering it on a cloaked Kree starship in orbit of Earth that happens to be a Skrull refugee nursery day camp sanctuary? Ooh. It has no reason to be there. That's just like... Now we've got to establish this in some other story. Uh, So that's a waste, guys. That's just a waste. Furthermore, they didn't, I mean, they could have just thrown in a line. Oh, yeah, uh, Marvell stole it and brought it up here. Well, that seems like something that would be a major problem that they would be shitty. Shield would have been scrambling all over the place looking for that, let alone AIM and Hydra. Okay, um,. Okay, this is just a dumb thing to be upset about. Uh, stick around for the mid-credits and the post-credits scenes, but I don't care if this cat can eat the Tesseract and not disintegrate. Okay, the Red Skull 
Couldn't hold the Tesseract that, without disintegrating that, into space, getting teleported. And teleporting and teleporting. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to be capable of touching the Tesseract, and this freaking cat, this alien cat, can eat the Tesseract and then herk it up later. My bitch is, why does his freaking collar... How does this Tesseract get past the collar? He's wearing yeah. a collar. Is it made out of unstable molecules? No. It's not, because Fantastic Four hasn't exactly got its way into the Marvel properties yet, despite the fact that it's owned. Tell me um, more about your bitch list. Huh? Tell me more on this bitch list, <laughs> Uh Yeah, okay, the Skrulls as good guys. Could we please establish the Skrulls as bad guys first? And, and I'm going to say, yeah, they run around being a problem and being shape-shifting and generally sketchy. And, like, shooting at people and getting into trouble Generally for a while. And then suddenly, but we're refugees. And we got all these refugee children up there and whatever. And I'm like, would we have cared as much if they weren't children? I mean, who? if they're refugees one way or the other. So my, my, my complaint is that we don't say anything about how their planet gets destroyed except to say that the Kree had something to do with it. Which is a total waste. Because the opportunity to present the, the possibility of Galactus is right there. In that Galactus, if I'm not mistaken, is the one who ate their frickin' planet. You are correct. In comics. And if that's the case, why can't we just go there? You don't even have to say it was Galactus. You don't have to say it was the World Ender. You could just say a gigantic space-born entity destroyed our planet, and the Kree have been taking advantage of us ever since. I could go on and on about that. Uh, but what I'm saying is that you're just going to go ahead and make the scrolls sympathetic right away. Are any of the Kree sympathetic? Is even 1% of the Kree that we saw in this movie something that we can sympathize with after they're proved to be the bad guys? All I, I know say, is, is that every time I see Jude Law, I know he's going to be a piece of shit. I don't know, dude. I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he plays a lot of unfortunate scumbaggish characters. But um, I'm, I, I've got to say, I am, like, like the mere fact that Guardians of the Galaxy was even a movie, let alone a smash hit with a ton of comic relief and great action. Here we have the Kree Star Force, which in what reality are we living that the Kree Star Force is a team of... Of characters in a major motion picture. Yonrog, Minerva, Captain Atlas, uh, Korath the Pursuer. Let's just go back. Now, I know I'm bitching about some stuff, but I'm saying that the Star Force is a great thing. It's so good to see that on screen. It's so cool. I've got, I went on a ridiculous tear collecting books that had them, that featured them in uh, the last couple of years. And it's just astonishing. Now, Court the Pursuer looks nothing like he does in the in the comics, uh, but whatever, you know, he's, he's who he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Guardians of the Galaxy right after you watched Captain Marvel, or vice versa, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they pulled that guy out to do that. Likewise, they did it with Lee Pace for Ronan the Accuser. And thank God we got to see more accusers. 
That's legit. Way to go, Marvel. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we did that. Lightspeed Engine. Who gives a flying Fig Newton, okay? If you've got starships that can space fold into and out of little space hexagons, so you instantly reappear in one part of space after you left another part of space, why does a light speed engine mean <laughs> anything? First now, you've year, been baby. watching Star Trek, so you know that there are yeah. multiple magnitudes yeah. of warp speed. And when you go, when you're going, like, warp one, you're basically... Well, actually, when you're going full impulse, you're basically going light speed. Right. But if you're going warp one, you're going a factor of warp. You're going fa- warp two, you're going multiple factors of warp. Warp three is many multiples of warp. Wh- by the time you get to the possibility of warp ten, you are, you've achieved pure energy, and you exist in all points in time and space simultaneously. Okay, so basically, that's it, how it, fast warp ten is. So Why basically, their, their ship had a uh, first gear. <laughs> Let's exactly. Just first gear. So they're like everybody's <laughs> looking for this light speed engine, and it's like who gives a rip? The the scrolls are there for a light speed engine that hasn't existed for a number of years since Captain Danvers. Well, I don't even know what her her actual rank was when she was a USAF uh, test pilot. Uh, but, you know, she absorbs all the energies. The Kree are like, oh, we're going to get this weapon back. That girl is a weapon. We're going to get this back. We're going to have this weapon. I don't get this. If you capture somebody who absorbed all of this energy. Do it again? No. <laughs> Why? Because it's really important. Like, look at, the, look at the Hulk. Look at Wolverine. Look at Peter Parker and his powers. Captain America, wow. for that matter. How many times are we ever able to duplicate these accidental breaches of science to replicate these powers? It's not done. It can't be done. So you can't get Captain Marvel again, and that's why she's exciting. She has a power. And what what peeves me is like, okay, so the Skrulls captured her. In the movie, and they were trying to draw the memory out of her. If they could have kept her sedated in perpetuity, they would have probably got what they wanted and got what they wanted. And then they would have realized we can't get what we want because this dumbass light speed engine doesn't exist anymore. And all the power is within the girl. So maybe we should stick her in the engine like the USS Equinox did in Voyager to power our way to get to a place of space that's way beyond Cree influence. So complaints aside on that business, why did the Cree Star Force decide to make her a member of their team? Well, we'll just utilize this power by brainwashing her into thinking she's one of us. It just doesn't make any sense. You keep her sedated, you keep her trapped in a thing that she can't ever get out of, and you do the science, okay? If you go back into Brian Michael Bendis, his Illuminati book, which I will trumpet till the end of days, what did they do? They captured all of the Illuminati, and what were they doing when uh, Tony Stark got out? They were doing tests on the limits of how far they could stretch. Sorry, dude. Um... Reed Richards. I, I got half a page here. So F this light speed thing. It's stupid. You want it to take 87 lifetimes for you to get somewhere? That's what it's going to be because that's how long it takes. Nick Fury, yeah, I did that. Uh, 
Yup. No, that was stupid. The Supreme Intelligence. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. I know. We really? all know what the Supreme Intelligence looks like. If you've really? read yeah. anything that has to do with the Kree. Oh, it's one of, one of my favorite things ever. It's just this wacky, multi-faced, green, tentacled blob in a tank. It's crazy. It's so disappointing that at some point, Captain Marvel didn't punch out the Scree, the Kree, uh, Supreme Intelligence in the Supreme Intelligence, like, memory bath thing, and, like, oh, there's the giant globbed head. It's as bad as in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer not actually seeing Galactus, except in shadow through a cloud. F this. That pisses me off. Uh, Why do we have a cloaking starship in orbit and we don't get to see... Anybody say, hey, well, hey, uh, since we helped you all out, let's have that sh- cloaking shield technology or that shield, that technology for cloaking stuff that we can jam on all of our Quinjets. I mean, our helicarrier cloaks, can we not see, if you're going to create this whole thing, can we not just see them like, yeah, I just got this cloaking technology from these aliens. We're going to implement it in all of our stuff henceforth. It's really simple. It's right there. Uh, what else? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm disappointed that Marvel was a woman because the love story between Marvel, the alien, and the woman who would go on to be Ms. Marvel and then Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, is lost. I think that's a great love story, and it is totally washed over. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing I wanted to touch on because like, a lot sorry, of people get yeah. really easily triggered. It's not that we we have any problem with them like switching the sexes. It's just the arbitrary nature of it, and then losing the losing that sort of story just because some you know social justice warrior wrote this with their heart in the right spot. It's a complaint, and glossed it's not there. over, glossed over something that you know, and, and then lost something important. Like like it always bugged I, me that all of a sudden Iceman was gay. All of a sudden, like I know why. Why? Exactly. Like, he hasn't been for 35, 40 years. Why are we suddenly yeah. doing that? Make a kick-ass gay character. Like what they did with Dakin, uh, or Dawkin, if you want to pronounce it the right way. I don't uh, know how to Do- say it, but that character is badass, and I love him. Badass. And he was, he was they made him bisexual. Mm-hmm. And Marvel Boy God, is bisexual. What God else would you expect from Grant Morrison but some forward-thinking... That man was... that. Grant Morrison, again, a guy who's, like, so far ahead of everything that you're sitting here, like, you don't even know that someone just outpaced you with a warp engine when you're sitting there on your light speed bullshit. Okay, anyway, that's that's how awesome Grant Morrison is. But uh, I guess, I guess, hey, look, if you want to, uh, man, the only Maybe other comparison I can make to just... that is in the Ultimate Universe, you've got this, you've got... You've got Colossus and Kitty Pride. It's a love story for the ages in the X-Men. But in the Ultimate Universe, you're just like, nah, he's going to be into dudes instead. Why? It just, you've got this great love story. Why can't other characters that don't have a love story in your Ultimate Universe... I guess that's why the Ultimate Universe crashed. Because it was just like, hey, we're just going to throw these things to the wind and see what happened. Anyway, my, my final bitch about this... 
And this could be completely in only the dipshit theater that I saw the movie in. I could have seen it in a more crisp environment. It was too dark to see anything that was going on in that movie. Unless it was daylight outside and they were in full sun, it was impossible to see anything. And I don't know if that's the way it was filmed or if it was just because it was like, here's a dark, hazy little world that they're in here. And there's another dark, hazy little world. I just, I'm like, I was struggling to see what was going on through the whole movie. And I know that's a really weak complaint that has a lot of probabilities for things that are not involved with the movie, but I'm going to have to watch it again to know whether or not that's the real deal, you know? So I had that problem with Zero Dark Thirty, and, you know, Dark was in the title, so what can I expect? Anyway, those are my my Captain Marvel bitch complaints. Um, I'm still glad to see Captain Marvel... And these Kree characters, given a show, given a movie, it's clearly going to make money. It deserves to make money. And we can't sit here and say, and I'm wrapping this up, buddy, I'm sorry. We can't sit here and say that all of the preceding Marvel movies weren't a product of their times. This is a product of its time. And you know what? I'm fine with that. And that's all I've got to say about it. I'm glad they pay, played a, I'm only happy when it rains. That That's for oh, sure. But God, yes. But th- them, them playing I'm just a girl during a fight scene, like from what I understand, I'm just a girl was her gripe about the record industry uh, kind of ignoring her in regards to being part of the creative process. And her being like the the main focal figure, as opposed to them being a cohesive unit, she didn't like that. Who Gwen you know, they, 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 If yeah, Gwen Stefani, they, they put her as like the like the the front woman, which you know that's what. What are you gonna you do? Know, did they do in the in, in the music industry? But you know, she had everybody. a problem with the fact. Yeah, and and her bandmates had a problem with the fact that that she was always being the one that was you know focused on. But same time, can you can you? Can you blame them if you're a marketer? If you're if you're trying to sell and make millions of dollars, if you're not that it's a, the right thing to do. That's not what I'm saying. But it was the it was like what ninety what ninety six. Of course you're gonna put the hot blonde. That, I'm pretty sure. Of course you're gonna put the hot blonde up there. But it, the song. Hey, I look. don't think the song subject matter correlates with like a knockdown dragout thing. I think it was one of those things where like uh, a bunch of people are gonna. It's a cheap pop. It was a cheap pop, dude. That, that's it totally what it was. was. It, 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 if you were going to do it, you've already appropriated gender on such a level in this movie that uh, that doing that is just ramming us. I don't know what, like an axe handle up our asses after we've already been through it through the whole feature film, and then to. That's what you're doing. If somebody had, like, accidentally banged into a, a boombox or a discman or something that was patched into the speakers in the ship and the music came on, hey, that would have been, that would have been better in my opinion. You know? Because then it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, what, was, uh, what was that um, Norm MacDonald movie, uh, Dirty Work, where, like, Chris Farley goes up and he's like, oh, there's going to be a fist fight in this bar. I'm going to play some great fighting music. And he goes up to the jukebox and punches the buttons. Hell yeah, K-5. Yeah, (laughs) street fighting man, the Rolling Stones. And he's like, you didn't hit K-5, you hit K-4. What's what's that? 
And it was like, if you like the, the escape song. <laughs> I mean, Joey Ryan's theme music. <laughs> these are not, these oh, two God. things do not correlate as much as we'd like to say so. But like, I'm just saying, I, I, find, you know, guys, I mean, th- people who are writing these things, do your science. It's a fucking light speed engine. That's me cussing for the first time on this show, as far as I know. <laughs> hey, that's we the thing that most explicit. hacks me off about the whole movie. I'm sorry. It's a light speed engine. You know, I need a light speed engine so I can. You know why they? You know why the Cree will never be able to find you? Because they're going to overshoot you so fast, they'll never be able to detect you. You're moving at a snail's pace. Okay. Anyway, I'm done. With you know that. what hacks me off? You know oh. what hacks me off? That Saigon whore who bit my nose off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think that was in issue 13 of the NOM. Uh, All right, let's take a break, and then we're going to get into some uh, wrestling content. Some wrestling content. We've got Ring of Honor. We've got Impact. We've got New Japan. We've got SmackDown. We've got Raw. But, yeah, we're going to take a break because I'm about to piss my pants. Okay. Uh, for you guys, it won't be a second, but for us, it'll be a break. Cut. All right, guys, we're back. Time to talk about some wrestling, some real wrestlers. We've got the uh, new episode of Impact, which isn't really the new, new one, because you're going to be listening to this on Friday. I'm talking about the one that came out on the 8th of March, so you're going to be listening to the one. If you guys are uh, avid Impact people, the one that came out today, March 14th, while we're recording is... You know, on TV right now, so we don't have a chance to watch it at the moment. Right. You can watch it on Twitch, by the way, um, if y'all don't have a, whatever channel they're on right now, because they've switched TV channels so many times. And then, of course, Ring of Honor. Uh, the new episode is always free on the app. Uh, always make sure you subscribe to uh, Ring of Honor. The Honor Club is so worth it, especially for their DVD archives that they have uploaded. And also because you get a discount when, if you're a Ring of Honor Honor Club member, you get a discount on the pay-per-view that you can order straight off of them or from Fight TV. But, yeah, I want to talk about Ring of Honor right away. Uh, not too much. Not too much to really go through. Not too much really happened, but they're setting up everything they can, as well as every other every other uh, wrestling uh, territory or organization right now for all the big shows that are going to happen WrestleMania weekend. The one that is happening for Ring of Honor is actually called the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard in New York. That's Ooh, yeah. uh, New Japan. That's that's a New Japan uh, collaboration as well. So they're setting things up there. It started out with the uh, Kingdom minus Matt Taven going against Villain Enterprises, which was kind of boring. the The crowd wasn't into it. Like the only time the crowd really popped was when Marty like asked them to do it, and I hate that. I hate if if you have to ask the crowd to go crazy for you, you're not Aussie. If you're in an Aussie concert, you're, you're you're going crazy. But then Aussie will every now and then will be like, "Go crazy for me!" Everyone will be like, "Hell yeah, you're Aussie!" But no. the rest, of the Ring of Honor crowd was like, "Okay, Villain Enterprises. Uh, obviously, you're waiting for your contract to end so you can join uh, All Elite Wrestling." But this is not that entertaining. He's got this big son of a bitch with him. Oh, I, I love this guy. He's he kind of reminds me of how exciting. Kane used to be back in the day, man. Oh yeah, man. Uh, at PCO, he 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 comes off kind of like a dummy, but then weird shit happens to him. Like he he gets knocked out and then electrocuted, and then you know he 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 chokes. Oh, God, 
his his choke slam is is phenomenal. But he also does <laughs> pop up power bombs, which also really pissed me off. And during the match, well, uh, the we're not getting him did, anywhere did else, right? Oh no, we're getting pop up power bombs. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Trust me. Like we got a pop up power bomb this week from my boy Kevin Owens. But that they 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 you know the commentators did point out yeah they say they pick a body part and uh, who the eyeball was chosen. <laughs> There's some eyeball working in this and okay so the match ended no big deal something might happen later I I didn't I didn't care uh, Marty <laughs> is not a good Marty is not a good wrestler to me Marty is the guy like did you ever watch Hot Top Time Machine totally. Remember when uh, the, the, the what's his name uh, Rob Corddry goes the to the hospital and they're like well why are you guys even here and they're like well we're are you guys even his friends and I'm like well you know how every group of friends has an asshole an asshole <laughs> yeah he's our asshole and they're like oh, okay well that's how I, I feel with Marty he's little he he can work but I just don't buy him I, I just don't buy him I just nothing about him makes me want to cheer for him he's a he's a professional jobber (laughs) he's gonna end up sure he's gonna eventually be a professional jobber um another thing that really hacked me off is that the ring of honor commercials you ever watch like late night adult swim and it's all like commercials for uh viagra and toys and you're like okay so that's what you think of me that my dick don't work and i want to buy toys okay maybe uh, but uh, or, or 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 you're watching you're watching uh, you know daytime television. It's like, have you been caught riding dirty? Well, call us. Uh, uh, would you do you know what a reverse mortgage is? Okay, so I'm watching daytime television. So you assume that I a don't have a job, b am ethnic in some sort. That you're saying I got caught riding dirty, uh, and also an old guy that's broke enough that would consider being stupid enough to get a reverse mortgage. Yeah, and these commercials Tom are is like, pitching them now. Yeah, yeah, and and the Fonz, uh, damn you, Fonzie. Yeah, these were these were <laughs> annuity. These were how to boost your annuities. Also, uh, the Brinks credit card. Hey, you don't have a bank account and you're 35 years old? Get our prepaid card. Oh God. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry. Some people out there just don't like bank accounts and have to have some prepaid card be, in order to function. But then there's some people out there that are just like, dude, seriously, like, you're 38 years old. Why don't you have a goddamn bank account? So that's – I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm watching Ring of Honor, so that's what you think of me. That's what your advertisers think of me when I'm watching this. And let's see. So we're talking about Kingdom Villain Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Oh, two new guys that are coming up, Roosh and Bandito. These guys are going against each other. They spoke only in Spanish. And these guys are up-and-comers. I believe uh, I believe one of them is from AAA. Uh, Twisted Sisters. Um Mayu, who somehow beat Kelly Klein last week or two weeks ago and is now the Ring Honor Women's Champion. This was a bullshit match. It was <laughs> awful. I have never I have never seen such a shitty kick out from from pin from pinfall. Like seriously, you're getting pinned. It was the worst kick out that Mayu had. I'm like, how the hell did this woman beat Kelly Klein? And, of course, it ends. She gets this bullshit win that barely happened, and then she's celebrating. Of course, Kelly Klein comes out there and knocks her ass out and grabs the grabs the belt. Oh, this is happening. You know, WrestleMania weekend. God, I, I, I really shouldn't say that. Hold on. What I should say 
is you know it's all happening. G one Supercard. Also, there's a there's a big there's a big uh, <clears throat> there's a big finals match in a couple days. Anyway, I love Kelly Klein. Ooh, she's so perfectly. Mm, she's strong. She's beautiful. She's not some dumb, real thin dumbass or like some gawky face. Like there's some some of the chicks in Ring of Honor. I'm sorry. I don't. I simply don't want to look at even accidentally. <laughs> but <laughs> even 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 accidentally, like okay. Um, Those chicks over really... in WTF are amazing, though. Oh, you mean uh, oh the, in the WTF in South Park? Yeah. <laughs> Love that WTF. This one's addicted to abortions. <laughs> it's bad, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rad Russian. All right, sorry, sorry. Love. <clears throat> no, no, no. That's all I can think about. <laughs> Get back in the trash can where you belong. We need a we need a log box of just that episode. That oh, was perfect. They're decent wrestlers. Yeah. We'll see how they do in the third act. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Kenny King and Dalton Castle. Now, this was really good. Dalton Castle, oh, this guy, his gimmick, he's got his manservants barefooted. He's got the wings. He's wearing the uh, the belt oh signifying God, he's hurt. Oh, my God, I love hurt. him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the real, he's what? <laughs> he's hysterical. Like, he makes it believable. It's like It's like old school gold dust, dude. Oh, well, even then, man, he's still tough. Like I, I, I wouldn't see oh, him yeah. as something like like gold dust, but it's still got that. He's got a got physique. That fruity, he can do the work. He's got that fruity tinge. I love. That's why I he's love going to Cape He's a little he's, gay. He's a little fruity. He's, he's a little, little fruity. Pebbles. Yeah. He, he's like us going to gay bars to pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's been known to happen. <laughs> oh, all the time. <laughs> uh, now, 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 with uh, Kenny King, this was a solid technical match. That's nice. Working the limbs, doing actual wrestling. It wasn't just like uh, brawling and finisher moves. No, I mean they like he really sold his his injury. Like his back was hurt, and he had the belt. King really worked it. But sorry, Dalton's better wrestler. Clean in the middle of the ring with a royal flush. It was beautiful. And it, you know, ended with a, a promo against Smarty. You know, it's his hometown. Really? Yeah, but now the other thing is is that last week in Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor champion destroyed Matt Taven's television championship, the purple belt. I mean, literally smashed it with a sledgehammer with Emma, whatever she wants to call herself now. Remember Emma from uh, – she was like rarely came out in SmackDown and Raw. She'd come out. She'd get hurt. She'd come back a year later after she got hurt. She's uh, almost better again. And you know she helped uh, she helped the champ you know destroy the belt and Taven's backstage crying about his broken his broken belt which made me happy because I want to see a, a piece together broken belt like the old school hardcore belt which was my favorite belt of all time. That'd be a pretty good. And uh, it ends with a good uh, prop. yeah, it ends up with a uh, Matt calling out the champ, and uh, you know out comes the champ in his suit and it's just like a cake. It's just like a cake. If you bring a cake to the ring. It's gonna get destroyed. <laughs> I told it's, you about the uh, the uh, what was it the other the uh, last uh, not list week the week before no two weeks ago when they had the whole Ric Flair scenario going on and uh, you know Batista 
beats him into a coma or whatever. Well, they have that re- that cake out there. It did <laughs> not get destroyed. Yep. It got destroyed after Raw after, was over after. when Jinder Mahal <laughs> came out there and Sting and Shawn Michaels like put him through the table and the table did not break, but the cake got splattered all over him and stuff. Cake. Well, next time we have a birthday party, pick me up and yeah, send me the through cake. the cake. Yeah, that, okay? that's going to be a new gimmick. I will have an eaten cake. I, will, and a I promise I will cake. do that. Even if, even if, even if Sheila bought a really expensive cake and she's all proud about it, it's gonna get destroyed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you gotta have two cakes. <laughs> gotta have multiple resets. That's the props game, right there. <coughs> well, Jay Lethal comes out. You know, Taven's calling him out. Comes out in a suit. I'm like, okay, so something about you know, obviously something's about to happen. But you're in a suit, which means you're about to be ambushed. And I'm correct. As soon as he gets in the ring, the rest of the kid. <laughs> The rest of the kingdom comes out of nowhere and stomps them into the dirt. Lots of chops, some great chops. And Lethal's suit was one of those tearaway suits, like, like you remember those like tearaway like uh, yeah, like those tearaway track pants from like the late nineties. NBA like, man, they rip yeah. their clothes off all the time to yep. get back out on the court. And then like, I mean, stripper stuff. Yeah, well, uh, Gresham, he tries to save the champion with the House of a Thousand Horses move, which, it's an obvious Rob Zombie reference, but why would you reference the horse? I mean, like, why not just go with the corpses? I mean, it's not like they do some sort of horsey nay-nay, but okay, but but whatever, it's what they do. (laughs) It's what they do. And as as a side note, if any of y'all were at Supercar to Honor and saw some drunk guy with long hair yelling at Matt Taven in the the, uh, outside... Uh, that was me, <laughs> dude. That sh- that was remarkable because those guys came out from under the mat later. Promo. Oh I man, I was trying to cut an epic promo and they destroyed me. Like they oh, should not have been that hungover and still drunk. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> those guys. Those guys came out of the. Oh man, I'm trying to come up with some dipshit thing and I can't come up with it. <laughs> well, I wish I would have been there. But you, we got they went to out. the. Uh, <laughs> I just. I really need one. Uh, yeah, they definitely went to burn school because you were in the burn ward after that. Never mind, oh, carry on. melted off. All right, Impact. We got Impact Wrestling <laughs> uh, from March 8th. Uh, obviously, like I said earlier, the new one's coming out right now. We'll talk about that earlier uh, in the next episode. Uh, Rich Swan, Man, Rich Swan got fired from WWE about a year ago, I think. Because he might have accidentally slapped his girlfriend in the car, and then they fired his ass right away. I don't know. I wasn't there. If he's beating up his girlfriend, he's a bad, bad guy. Shouldn't have slapped his girlfriend. But if you're talking about I'm Stone nodding. Cold Steve Austin, yeah. If, if you're talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin, he beat up Bre- uh, Deborah. Uh, she probably shouldn't have pissed him off. <laughs> Wait, why? Stone because Cold. it's Stone Cold. It's- because it's Stone Cold, the guy can do no wrong in my in my in my eyes. Uh, besides, she betrayed him anyway. That's anyway. a masterful line in the sand you've just drawn. <laughs> Stone Cold, I don't care. All right, I I don't care. Michael Jackson probably molested some kids, but he wrote Thriller. All right, simultaneously, we've already done enough <laughs> in this episode in this issue. Uh, let's uh, All right, let's impact, progress. Impact. Okay. It's uh, all right. Rich Swan is out wrestling. It doesn't really matter who he was wrestling. All that matters is that Ohio versus everything with my boy Sammy Callahan. Mm. And if you don't know who mm. Sammy Callahan, Jeremiah Crone from Impact Wrestling. I'm sorry, Impact, not 
Lucha. I meant to say Lucha. Anyway, comes oh. out. Hey, you need to, you need to join Ohio versus everything. O V E. Come on, come on. We got the shirt. Those in his face. Those in his face. I'm thinking, please, God, let this happen. Let him put the shirt on, and then yes, it happened. Put the shirt on. Oh, psych. Mm. Knocked all these guys out. It was beautiful. <laughs> uh, backstage promos with Conan and LAX. Uh, Conan is one of the most influential guys in probably the past 30 years of modern wrestling. Uh, he's one of the main guys that told them what to do and how to do it in Lucha Underground. Conan is up there with Eddie Guerrero in terms of, well, obviously he's friends with Eddie, but not as good as Eddie, but he's he's up there with Chavo. He's up there with Chavo Guerrero. And, you know, the, the LAX, there are these, you know, Latino thuggy dudes in the backstage. Uh, oh, 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 my, 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 my second favorite part of the night was there's a brand new Impact wrestler. His name's Ace Austin. He calls him the parkour artist. His, minish, his finishing what? move was uh, move the yeah his, his finishing move the running blockbuster move the fold it was beautiful this guy has serious potential I mean they huh. they gave him some drawer some tomato can to go smash and it happened in like <laughs> six minutes but uh, the 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 cherries on top uh, Johnny Impact also known as Johnny Blackcraft also known as Johnny uh, Mundo also known as Johnny Nitro if you all know what's going on here him and uh, Brian Cage had an epic match where they got pretty hurt. Uh, last week and Brian's necks messed up. Uh, they had a total clusterfuck of a match and they're both injured. Brian Cage has been promised a title match. It's coming up soon. And uh, you know him and uh, Johnny and his and his wife, a uh, real life wife actually, uh, Taya Valkyrie. And she was in Lucha with him too. She was part of the uh, the Mundo's little uh, gaggle of buddies. You know they they cut a promo. He's in a neck brace. Um, this is going to happen. These guys are friends. I love. There's certain indie wrestlers out there right now that are in the know and also are in the right sort of click backstage. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about clicky where I'm not talking about clicky where if you're not in their crew, you're not in. No, these guys work in all these different type of territories. And like right now, uh, Cage is promoting a, uh, a upcoming tag team with Flip Gordon. That's gonna be awesome. Flip Gordon, Cage. Dude. Uh, yeah. I love Flip. I mean, like, and these guys are always working out backstage. They're always working out. They're always at random golds. They're always eating at random restaurants, hanging out, palling around. I love to see that. I love to see that solidarity within the, you know, the indie scene. And, uh, well, you know, Cage has got his match coming up. There is one particular thing about Impact is this piece of shit announcer slash calls himself a uh, independent uh reporter like someone that's <laughs> out to slip things out alondo melendez investigative reporter uh this guy's gonna get his ass beat but he's exposing things he's going backstage and pissing these guys off and within kayfabe he's going in and trying to get the story getting legit heat and Wait, developing really? his own character yeah it's great like impact i think is superior to ring honor right now i mean they've got such potential but they've got a lot of behind the scenes issues that kind of prevents them from continuing to succeed. I mean, if if your favorite TV channel kept switching networks and you didn't know what time it was on, and then this guy left all of a sudden, you don't know why, and the owners keep switching switching all the time, it's going to create a certain cloud of doubt. And I, that well, cloud absolutely. of doubt still looms over 
over what's going on right now. However, Don Callis, Cyrus, you know, the guy that's uh, the best commentator for Lucha Underground right now, uh, mm-hmm. also known as the uh, the Jackal. He does. He's got that podcast, Killing the Town, on the on the uh, Jericho Network. He's just being a badass, running it. He's also a commentator. He's making sure there's a lot of goddamn potential here. And I just wish they they could. They're having trouble finding a good footing, but the potential's there. It's better than Ring of Honor. Um, not too much left to report on this one. There was a killer match with Rosemary. Uh, I'm, all I'm going to say is mm. Rosemary and her crew throw it down. Rosemary is my girl. I've still got my Courtney's not here no more shirt. I love that woman. She actually <laughs> liked I, I messaged. I, I, I posted on her Instagram that she was beautiful. I forgot to say she was also an amazing wrestler. I didn't want to seem like some asshole. I just think she's pretty. I should have said she's a great wrestler, but I was still just too busy looking at how infatuated I am with, with her. She liked my comment. <laughs> You're probably her type. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, Courtney's. I, I, I definitely am. Oh, uh, I, I will. I I can change. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we've got United We Stand on April fourth on the Fight Network. And uh, the last little bit was Lucha Bros Pentagon and Phoenix again. Like Pentagon. if you're going to watch anything from this week, Pentagon. Ooh, settle no. Um, watch this match, Lucha Bros. Watch the Rosemary in her in her gaggle of awesome, crazy awesomers. Uh, throw down and then. Also, check out uh, uh, Mr. New Guy, Mr. Parkour Artist, uh, Ace Austin. I, 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 he's got potential. Uh, he's got potential the way uh, Katsuro Kinomura had for Kinomura for me had. I just hope he doesn't blow it. He's not. He's not Alistair Black, where I look at him or, or Kevin Owens, and the first time I saw Kevin Seen, I'm like, that guy's gonna be a superstar. This guy's got potential. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, what, really want to stage this and say that what everyone doing right now, like I said earlier, is setting everything up for the big show the first weekend of April. Mm-hmm. And that is what's happening on SmackDown and Raw right now. Do you want to lead us off for your favorite parts of Raw, brother? Yeah, I will, but I, I mm, don't let me forget. I want to ask you something about rip-off characters uh, in a minute. Um <clears throat> I mean, yeah, guys, I don't know if you guys, hopefully you watched Raw this week. Uh, we get the shield back. I mean, seeing, I, I, I had a question watching it going, okay, well, the shield came out. Roman Reigns looked like he was legitimately concerned about something or upset about something. And it felt real in his promo pointing out Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, Wanting to know whether or not he was going to stick around or wanting to know, you know, he's got his own thing going on and they can't say what, but they keep telling us without saying Dean no longer has a contract with us that this is going to be the last time that they're going to get together. And I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. They're not. They're clearly going to do something at WrestleMania and then Dean is going to get tombstone pile drived or something, hopefully, and technically killed. Uh, I don't know what, but um, because I'd have him back, they could do something completely different. I'm just going to say, Roman, I complain about some people. Seth Rollins, he does an okay job acting. John Cena, if he's acting in a movie, that's one thing, but in the ring, he is a terrible actor. Uh, 
some of these guys can't Terrible. act like they're reaching for that tag. It's that kind of thing that I got a problem with. Roman Reigns just became the Oscar-winning contender of the of the entire sports entertainment world. He legitimately seemed concerned or upset about what he was having to say up there. I feel like he had just had a conversation with Dean before they came out into the ring and uh, he didn't get the answer that he wanted. Or it could be a work, but I don't know because later when Roman got his face kicked and he (laughs) acted like he was messed up bad by Drew McIntyre's Claymore kicks and getting thrown into the apron and thrown into the, the post. I was having a really hard time not believing that he was screwed up by something in that in that match. Now, like, the previous week on SmackDown, I saw Ray Ray take a bad fall, and he really seemed like he was messed up. And then I've been watching Ricochet do some insane flight work and some we'll get to that no no i'm getting this is all part of it to to me i've been seeing these guys do this stuff and going i can't believe these guys are uh pulling these stunts (laughs) and not getting killed or not breaking their neck because ray ray looked really bad he looked like he was in bad shape for a minute but he finished the match. Dude, not only did he look bad, not only looked bad, but it was the worst costume I've ever seen. A nude-esque color costume that was disgusting. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that, like, when Roman Reigns took those uh, kicks, took those attacks from Drew McIntyre, I believed it. And I don't know if that was the weight of his performance. I don't know if it was because he was actually a little bit messed up because of it. But then they had Seth Rollins come out there to rescue him. And, the, and no intro music, and it seemed real. And then they were not focusing any camera work on Drew McIntyre, who is a classic bad guy. And he was like, gonna it's big. only going to be, be like this from now on. This is all there is left. It's just a continued thing of pain. You were born into it because I bring it. You know, it was nuts. And they were they took the cameras off him like, we gotta, we got we to gotta do something about this. Finally... Finally, in one of the slow-mos, you could see that that kick had been delivered and Roman got his hand up there to to do a little bit of a deflection or something like that. But nevertheless, until that commercial break was over, I was actually afeared for the man. And then you get into this business where it's Seth and Dean and they're carrying him off to the doctor's office at the arena. They could have had some work. They could have really spilt that out. But then Dean... Going out there and fighting Drew McIntyre in a pin in a pinfalls anywhere, no DQ match. That was I had an issue with that. You, I, I had issues. I thought it was epic, but simultaneously, at a certain point, it loses its believability because you've got guys who are climbing up and down the stairs and they're not doing it in a realistic fashion. That's my total beef. With uh, with with the WWE as these guys do their work. Um, yesterday, I was filling out a job application, and uh, there was a question about design. What's something that you would 
change its entire design. And I was like, the entire narrative storytelling of the WWE should be changed. I mean, obviously, I got some issues with the authoritarianism of Vince McMahon, making it impossible for people to dictatorship get over the way they need to and like people getting buried and all these problems I have. But like what really bothers me is if you're going to have this kick ass all over the ring, no DQ match, you can do some stupid and crazy stuff like Drew McIntyre jamming a pencil into Dean's face. That's cool. We haven't seen anything like that in a long time. I mean, Dean came out a couple of weeks right. ago and beat the bejeez out of him with his belt, only to get it turned around onto him because he had a second belt on. I dig that because clearly Dean has something to do with developing these gags. But, you know, uh, what pisses me off is that in the middle of this thing that's clearly going to drag out for the entire run of the rest of the show, you don't have um, – there's commercial breaks. And I'm watching it live. I should be watching it on Hulu and just seeing it all – on a one-to-one ratio, but um, mm-hmm. it's believable and simultaneously not believable. I wish that that match would have come down to an end where stamina was the winner. Whoever had the most stamina, like a Rocky versus <coughs> Apollo Creed fight, and it was amazing, honestly, after all that they'd been through all night, that Dean was, was not the guy match. that came out on top. And uh, it was a great match. I'm not going to lie. It was cool. I guess the other thing, but too, is that it would, it. I felt like the opportunity to really mess with things for Drew. What if Drew McIntyre had gone and messed with uh, with Renee? They were all in the same. She was, she was legit at the upset. Same she was time. legit scared. Huh? She was legit scared. Like. Like, she had to hold I, – I guarantee you she would hold him back just go, for not going to check on him. But oh, she man. knew not. She knew better. She knew better. It would have been something else completely in a no-DQ match, in a serious hate match for for him to go, like, I'm going after your woman. And, and like, Dean be like, no way, you know. It could have got out of control. <laughs> but, unfortunately – I'm watching a match like I that at the end of the show, and I'm watching the clock at the same the time. Out. How much more kick-ass can they cram into this issue, in this episode? So I, I got beef with that. I would have lost my mind. Dude, lost my it mind been, that would have been Benet. real gutsy narrative storytelling right there, and they just don't Yeah, but do they've it. got beef with them. They've got beef with them. They can't put Renee in a story right now because... They've got. They're thinking of pulling her from from the commentary bench. They're, they're they're worried about actually losing Dean, and we still don't know if this is an actual work. We really don't. But but the, my my beef with with this Drew McIntyre Dean Ambrose match is I've seen this match before. I've seen it better. I saw it two years ago. Remember the night we got in a fist fight at what's her name's house? What who what? Oh, you and me. Remember that night we got a yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were watching My wrestling. Foot is hurting a little bit the, today. I even. was trying. I was. I was trying. Yeah, I hurt your foot pretty bad. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, he punched me right in the middle of my face. Uh, that was awesome. <laughs> you dropped anyway, your guard, uh, and I took a swing, and it connected, and and the next morning you were like, "Why does my face feel like I got hit in the face by a hockey puck?" And I was like, "I may have hit you. I don't know." Yeah. Well, one of the reasons we, we got so riled up 
and because we were that drunk that night because we were taking a, care of my big brother. Yeah. Sorry, say that my, again. I, we I, were I taking talked care over my, you. We were, we were taking care of my big brother, and we, we got, all got pretty loaded and went back to whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. one of the matches, the first match I showed you to sell you on why you should buy into this was the Iron Man match between Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose. And it was falls count anywhere. Yep. And it was absolutely insane. Drew McIntyre can't hold a fucking candle to Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was, I don't, it was a full shoot to me because he's screaming, he's punching, I hate you. And, and Dean's yep. like, yeah, I hate you too, buddy. I hate you too, buddy. And and it was classic Steen setting up all the, the tables. But when, when Steen sets up the tables, and and he's making all these apparatus around the around the ring. <laughs> the gimmick is, the gimmick is that he's gonna be the one that takes that bump. And oh, so when I see this happening, going through the crowd, the crowd, the crowd wasn't. I was pissed at the crowd. They they were okay. They were behaving themselves. I'm glad they were behaving. They themselves. did a good job. But they, yeah. they get out your cell phones. But give them a tap. But at the same time, though. They weren't as frenzied as true wrestling fans should have been that they were that For close. Real? I mean, like, they, they were not. I mean, that happened in, in the Dean and KO match. Uh, I do want to talk about the about Ronda Rousey. Oh, yeah, right. Ronda, I forgot all I about think, it because I just I don't think, care anymore. I, oh, I care. I care. <laughs> I think this is a perfect work. I think this is genius. Oh, you're talking about because the, they can't off the be, outer ring stuff. They can't. No, I'm talking about all of it. They yeah. can't be PG-14 anymore. That's don't even hope for it. Like there, there, there. There's rumors that Fox wants them to be a little bit edgier, mm-hmm. but at the same time, though, I don't know how much edgier they can. They can never be Attitude Era again, which is fine because if you want to be Attitude Era, then get the network for 9.99 and watch all the Attitude Era. It's still there. It's awesome. Well, you know what happens when they go to Fox, right? They'll get canceled in the uh, middle of their first Marvel. season. Or, or stormtroopers are going to show up attacked by Guardians of the Galaxy guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. No. My, 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 what I'm, my point is, is that they can't be PG-14. They can't be PG-13. Yeah. They can't be rated R on TV. But they can be rated R on social media, especially totally? if they can't hold. If they, especially if they divorce themselves from Ronda, like, oh, I can't believe she did that. Like, but Ronda's doing it on her own channel. And mm-hmm. then she's going out and selling what she just put online, which isn't, hey, hey, guys, you know, uh, we can't control Rhonda. And she's selling what she put on online. Well, they and already pushed that BS when, with Brock Lesnar. Well, we can't control him. He'll come to work when he wants to. He gets special privileges. Well, Why aren't no, they that, doing the same thing with Rhonda? That's true. They are doing the same thing. That's my point. I mean, yeah. You and I <laughs> talked about this the other that, day. That's it my should point. be a multimedia. Except she cares. Yeah. But she, yeah, I know. But she cares about the product. Brock does not. Brock's there for for his purse. Mm-hmm. Rhonda, she's out there cutting this promo, and then she's interrupted by. I was really surprised about this. Dana Brooke comes out, and guys, uh, oh, yeah. if, if you don't remember Dana Brooke, because she hasn't been on TV in almost a year, and like she was almost unrecognizably smaller. Like she was a thicker girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always thought she's beautiful, but, but. I barely recognize the only reason I recognize her was because of the ponytail and her outfit. Otherwise she she's almost like after her 
I believe her boyfriend either committed suicide or died unexpectedly. I think died unexpectedly, like had a, and it caused an issue. She was in, in like one minor storyline, and then we haven't seen her since then. Wasn't she comes she out the, there, and they send. Wasn't she the statistician for uh, Big uh, for um, oh Titus. Titus, Titus, Titus worldwide. worldwide? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she comes out there, and I'm like, okay, this makes sense to me. We can't have anyone get hurt before WrestleMania, so let's send someone that doesn't matter to us. And <laughs> All right. I, she cuts this promo, like, I, you know, I've been fighting. Yeah, you've been fighting, and I really feel sorry for you because you're about to get really hurt, and it happened. I mean, the way Ronda was throwing her around like a rag doll just made me so amped for this Becky and Charlotte match. It's going to be phenomenal. And they're selling it just the right way they should be. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Alistair Black and Ricochet and Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. Dude. I kind of feel bad yeah. for Gable because they can't do anything with him. Bobby Roode, man, we had such potential they're not doing jack shit with them. So they go and they feed them to Alistair Black and Ricochet. Alistair Black... I think is going to be Kevin Owens big. He's the next pony I've got my money on. The guy, if, if you guys don't understand, they, they promoted him in NXT. He's kind of the occultist guy. He came from WXW in Germany. Um, by the way, if y'all don't know uh, WXW, uh, in order to find WXW, don't go to YouTube. you got to go to Vimeo and subscribe. it. And the 16-karat gold, it still hasn't been available here for us to look at I, i've actually googled it every single day there the wxw's big like you know wrestlemania s thing if you don't know what 16 karat gold is you're fucking up check it out <laughs> uh walter walter is involved walter. like he always is walter and um uh, alistair's from wxw and you know, they kind of got that occultist thing. Of course, you don't just arbitrarily name anyone Alistair. It's obviously a reference to the Beast, <laughs> Crowley. Sure. And then, well, but then, like, okay, let's call him Alistair. He's going to be a cultist. Well, what's his last thing going to be? Uh, black. Blanco. Because <laughs> he wears all black. Yeah, I mean, he had, like, he had like uh, you know, uh, promotions with Blackcraft. This guy's – I'm really proud of this guy. He was talking uh, in an interview a couple weeks ago about – I mean, this guy is tough. This guy's a – you take one look at him, you don't want to mess with this guy. But he's talking about his wife and how much he loves her mm-hmm. and how the last two years have been so hard for him, overcoming really bad, like, anxiety problems. I mean, a tough guy like this talking about that sort of shit, it just – it made me love him even more, especially because this guy's in ring. In What do you got to say, brother? Well, if you've got a – if you've got a – if you've got a uh, – if you're not coming down the ramp – and you're being introed with a levitating bed gag with close-ups on candles, yeah. you're going to fix that anxiety real fast. You know what I mean? Well, even I, – I know, but even then, the pressure. The, yeah. the pressure. The reason I love this guy – okay, so uh, last week we were talking about pairing people with people that uh, their styles don't match. Uh-huh. Like um, uh, when we were – I was talking about um, – Dalton Castle versus uh, Will Osprey in New Japan uh, last week. It, it didn't work. It, it they both have great in work styles, but it didn't work because Osprey couldn't do what he usually does 
all the time, and neither could Dalton because their styles didn't really match. Ricochet and Aleister Black, as a tag team, completely different styles. However, getting to see them shine and feed them good wrestlers to have, like, amazing matches with, this was a great match. I would give it, like, a solid three. Aleister Black's gimmick is that he connects, but <laughs> he sees you coming. He sees you coming. He doesn't telegraph anything like like I, when I was talking about uh, Mr. Uh, Villain earlier. He mm-hmm. telegraphs everything. You can see what's going on. Aleister Black anticipates what you're going to do. He did this move where they were running at him, and rather than duck back or get out of the ring, he flipped over the guy's back and used the guy's back as a as a running pad against his own back and rolled over and just this beautiful insecurity straight to the face, and that foot connected. And Ricochet goes out and does what Ricochet does, and we get a one, two, three, and, and then we also get to see him on SmackDown do the same thing against two other you know jobbers. But... The purpose of, of this Raw was to promote Aleister Black, build matches for WrestleMania. Same thing with SmackDown, build rest matches for WrestleMania, promote Aleister Black and Ricochet. Um, another thing that happened, well, of course, we get to see Miss uh, Alexa Bliss get, oh, get yeah. you know, Let me, but as the uh, host. Yeah. Let me jump in on, on the say, thing with Ricochet and Aleister Black real quick. When when they brought out, you know, you had the Shield come out, and then Shield basically left, and Seth Rollins, who was the dude that they brought out from NXT to fight Seth? Like uh, I don't even that, know. It's not. I don't know who. It oh, was. that guy's not the 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 first match. Are you talking yeah. about the first match With after Seth, yeah. the the Shield came out? Oh, yeah. that's Sh- that's Shelton Benjamin. That guy's not from NXT. Like oh, that I'm guy's sorry. main roster guy. Dude, I've never mm-hmm. seen this guy before. I have no idea who that is, and I thought, oh, they're bringing yeah, out the, another the, new NXT guy. So I'm glad no, I'm no, wrong. No, you, you just you're just watching it too much on Hulu. They cut out Shelton Benjamin's shit all the time. Oh damn! All right, yeah. So yeah, my mistake. My mistake is that I thought here's another NXT guy that they're pulling out, and NXT guys can't lose right now. They cannot no. lose. You haven't seen Ricochet or Black lose no, yet. But- and I thought, here's another guy, and they're yeah, putting but, him in there with Seth. Is Seth going to lose? You know, but okay, yeah, so I'm sorry. Sorry sorry to Shelton Benjamin. But, if they're not, no, if they're no, not no, pushing I, you hard enough, that's one of the reasons I don't know who you are. Well, well, well you saw, you usually watch it on Hulu, and they cut about 45 minutes on the Hulu one. The, the next thing that bothered me was uh, Natalia versus Nia Jax. Natalia comes out there with Beth Phoenix, Edge's wife. This woman is a legend. And, like, why the hell is Beth Phoenix here? Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, before it even happened, uh, let me guess. They're going to push Nia Jax to have a WrestleMania moment, which pisses me off because that woman cannot wrestle. She Again? wrestles too stiff. I have no problem with her. I have no problem with her image. I have no problem with her weight. She can't wrestle. She hurts people. She does not belong in the squared circle. So they pull out Natalia, who just does whatever they tell them to. That's what she's there for. For some reason, Beth Phoenix is there. Natalia, you know, she gets hurt, kind of. I don't even know what to say. All I know is that all that mattered was that Beth Phoenix and Nia Jax got into it, and they're, I'm like, okay, so they're just randomly promoting. This pisses me off, what you're talking about, that job thing that you're filling out. It's it's two, three weeks away from WrestleMania, and now they're pulling out Beth Phoenix. Why not build this for, for months? Oh, I know. 
the way they do in Ring of Honor and Impact. Build it. Oh, oh, Beth Phoenix wants to wrestle? Okay, screw it. Let's just feed her Nia Jax. We got to have Nia Jax. Uh, but whatever. I, I, dude, I, I, I whatever. honestly, see- after last year, after WrestleMania, they, they spent, what, six, eight weeks? Now, you and I have a difference of opinion on how long to build something up. And I'm saying, like, six or eight weeks is fine if you're going to build up some plot line towards a pay-per-view. And I'm looking at, like, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax having a beef with one another, which they completely ignored the next time they were face-to-face in a little interview process that wasn't a moment of bliss. And so it just feels like these rivalries should persist. Like, these people shouldn't be allowed to be okay with one another. They should be oil and water in circumstances, even if they get paired up on the same team. We haven't seen Alexa Bliss do any real work this year, except coming out as a pretty face host. And I can dig that because I like them doing that with her. She doesn't have to get out there and risk anything. You know? She's also not carrying a title any longer. So, what else does it make any difference? You know she'd never last in the ring in a real match with Ronda Rousey for more than 15 seconds anyways. But who really could? Agreed. You know? And, uh... I guess that's I don't know yeah. So what do you do well, with these? Just people? to wrap up, you're yeah. We should wrap up RAW for sure. Just just, just to wrap up RAW, Braun destroys a, a, a I guess a decent car that Colin Jones from Saturday Night Live sent to them. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Dude, to apologize from last week. The only thing I want to bring up is the reason why, and mm-hmm. I've heard a couple podcasts, the Still Real Guys, who are my favorite wrestling podcast. Uh, mentioned like they hate the fact that they keep bringing up Colin Jost and uh, Michael Che, but they probably don't know that the reason why there's there's a history with Saturday Night Live with WB. If it was a rerun of Saturday Night Live in the in the 80s, they'd play Saturday Night Heat. And McMahon had a deal with Dick Ebersol, who <laughs> Dick Ebersol was one of the main producers in NBC. And that's how uh, the XFL happened because Ebersol and his family invested in XFL. And Michael Che is a huge, huge Raw fan. Uh, well, wrestling fan in general. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they want to just you know promote the product. It's smart. If these guys – if this guy is a big writer – Michael Che is one of the head writers on Saturday Night Live right now. If this guy's in, into wrestling and will help us out, screw it. Let's let's do an angle with him. And that's what they're doing. You know, Colin, they're, they're promoting Colin as – Mr. Colin Jost, who, by the way, I, I believe he is dating Scarlett Johansson, by the way. Uh, it's always these uh, totally square-looking dudes that get the amazing ones. I mean, look at Christina Hendricks. Well, Braun destroys the car. Uh, Kurt Angle has a match with Apollo Crews and announces that his last match is going to be at WrestleMania. It's probably going to be against John Cena. I hope it's against uh, The Undertaker, so we have Undertaker. Way better. If they pulled um, The Undertaker out every year, once a year, to kill a guy off, that would be rad. I thought John I thought, Cena was I, dead for like four months because he was nowhere. Obviously, <laughs> he was growing out his hair and looking like uh, like Ernest from the uh, 80s Brahms commercials. But... Um, uh, I was like, I would you, love it if they killed John that. Cena in the ring at WrestleMania after that lightning strike gag they did that was so freaking rad. <laughs> that was awesome. 
No, that was really cool. Especially we get to see the, the guy like run in and pull the stuff out because we saw the silhouettes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, last point about Raw is that uh, on next week, well, Monday, it's going to be in Chicago. And Chicago is the rowdiest, most kick-ass wrestling crowd there is. That's why, that's why the Elite picked All In to be in Chicago because people in Chicago know what the F is up when it comes to wrestling. And... We just be prepared for a shitload of CM Punk chants. I hope and so. That's it. That's in Chicago, so it's gonna happen. Uh, See, SmackDown wasn't. What was that, brother? No, no. Carry on. Carry on. SmackDown was okay. Uh, Shane and Max building. Uh, you know, obviously they're building the match with him and the him and the Miz. Yeah, that's okay, a bad idea. I don't care. I don't like it. I, I don't care. I just want to see Shane O'Mac fight and jump off something really big. They did the eight-man tag team match with Aleister Black. You know, just get heat on New Day, building the anticipation. Uh, next thing that happened, AJ cut this fiery promo against uh, Randy Orton, who I will always hate because of because his dad, dumbass cowboy Bob Orton, ruined Roddy Roddy Piper's match at Mania back in the day against Mr. T. And, and Hulk Hogan. Just, Don't we I also dislike him because Orton. he's a deserter? <laughs> yeah, he's a military deserter. He's a military deserter. But people deserve second chances, whatever. I'm not going to forgive him, whatever. Very good. Um, they're setting up the match with AJ and and Orton, which is stupid to me because they only that only just happened at Fastlane because AJ just randomly came out and fucked up Orton. Okay. So that's what's going to happen three, four weeks. Say, why don't you build that beforehand? Why aren't you working with this sort of thing? Um, Ali, KO, Daniel Bryan, Rowan. It's a good ass underdog story, man. All of them. I love Rowan's gimmick right now because they they've completely underutilized this guy. The guy's not made out of glass. He's a strong worker. His face palm uh, power, like his face palm, like slam. It's beautiful. He's they, they don't care about him enough that he's actually wearing. Hardcore metal bands shirts. You know, they probably don't care about shirt, him that he's maybe wearing stuff. an AEW shirt. Yeah, if, if 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 he did an AEW shirt in like crazy metal like font where you can't even tell what the words are, they probably <laughs> wouldn't even notice because he's because the guy's a huge metal fan. He's always wearing kick-ass metal shirts now. I believe the first one. Well, he came out in that Tom Savini shirt. Oh, uh, really? The last pay-per-view, not 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 Fastlane, not huh. Fastlane. It was um, Royal Rumble. Was it the Rumble? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, elimination chamber. Yeah, elimination chamber. Elimination. He came out in that Tom Savini shirt. Now he's just wearing kick-ass black metal band shirts. Good he should him. be wearing a murder falcon those... shirt. A murder falcon shirt. <laughs> he found out about it. Um, I just love a good. I love a good underdog story, and they're building. They are building the living shit out of Kofi Kingston, and Dude, I really real. hope he gets it. I really hope he gets it, man. I want him to have the championship belt, and I want New Day to just kick some ass. Yeah, New Day should be could be the new shield. Kick some ass. Maybe we could take them a little bit more seriously. Speaking of Shield, right now, the rumor is that they're going to have an honorary member of the Shield on they go like on an international tour, and it's going to be Braun Strowman as an honorary member of the Shield right now, and they've pulled Canadian Bros from any any postings whatsoever. Yeah, that's really all I have for SmackDown, but, but just random dirt sheet stuff. Like, SmackDown was, was decent, but 
the stories were kind of arbitrary sometimes. I like Mustafa Ali. I hope he gets a better shot. Unfortunately, he got hurt right before uh, Royal Rumble mm. in well, no, uh, Elimination Chamber. And, you know, we, we want Kofi. We want Kofi. I want to see KO. Uh, it it kind of weirds me out that KO doesn't have a new shirt. Anytime someone shows up after being hurt for a long time, they have a brand new shirt. Dean, Roman, uh, Seth, when he came back from injury and blew his knees, they all had new shirts. He's still wearing that Fight Anyone shirt that no one wears. Dude, and that's the disappointing thing. We were talking about it yesterday. His whole shtick, Fight Anyone, Fight Owens Fight, he should always, he should be Dean Ambrose. He should be like, you don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up in the ring and I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you on Raw, and I'm on SmackDown. I'm going to fight you on, you know, whatever. I just, I wish that they would do some craziness like that. The only guys who seem to be able to switch back and forth are NXT dudes right now. And, like, if that's really going to be his thing, that's what I didn't like a year or two ago was this business of him being, like, a coward. You know, oh, I'm going to – no, I'm going to fight Braun Strowman. I'm going to fight Brock Lesnar. I'm going to fight absolutely – Everyone, anyone, all the time. I will never run away. I'll get. I'll lose a lot, but I will not give up. I think well, that's the direction the they need fight. to go with him. That's his shtick. Who K- KO? Yeah. No, well, yeah, but it's also Prize Fighter. He he's not going to do anything unless it, there's something in store for him. He, he doesn't care about the Prize Fighter. Well, they've done that shirt. <laughs> I think I think I have almost every single KO shirt. I still like that one you wore the first time we ever went to a Raw event, and it was the, the, uh, the, the duct tape the, one. The duct tape the duct tape one. I only wear that on special occasions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my th- I've got wear- a Thunder jacket from 2012 that was their uh, off-the-court jacket, and it's freaking beautiful. I can't even wear my <laughs> Nick Collison shirt anymore because it's disintegrating. I'll have to wear it the next time I go to a show or go to an event. I still have game. I, I still have my KO Dur- uh, Durantula jersey. I'm just hoping one day he comes back to Thunder and I can wear it again. They're talking about <laughs> him going to the Kings now. Really? I thought he was going to go to the uh, oh, to New not York. The Kings. That's uh, not the Kings. The uh, the Nets. Yeah, New York. Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks. I knew it was a K. Yeah. It was a K. Yeah, they're talking about him going to going there to uh, New York. The Knickers. Yeah, well, uh, I don't have I don't have much left to talk about wrestling other than uh, I don't want to talk about New Japan quite yet because they're doing the New Japan Pro Cup right now, yeah. and the big ones they space in between and they do a lot of smaller shows in between. I want to catch up and like recap them as the the bigger show happens. And we did that on uh, the last uh, Minefields episode. Not, but this time uh, I'm gonna make sure you watch it. Uh, you were. You were uh, indisposed that weekend, and I had my good buddy uh, Phil and Free. He did a really good job. I was so happy that he was able to do that. We oh, had yeah. a good day, day drinking and day drinking. And uh, there was a couple things I wanted to follow up about news. Oh, new Bullet Club member. Mm. Yeah, new Bullet Club member. Well, I saw the shirt earlier. It looks really cool. I'm still worried about just Bullet Club in general because. Do you think Bullet Club is I- not okay? No, no, <laughs> no. Bullet Club is not okay. They got the guts taken out of them, and they don't have anyone that has the real central leader leadership role lately. I mean, they've got Jay White, Switchblade, but he's not over enough the way Kenny was, or has that 
real avant-garde. I'm doing something completely different. He's great. Don't get me wrong. I love his shirt. I wear it all the time. What is his name? Notes are all jumbled. It's like L something. I want to say El Generico. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If you know only who the new Bullet Club Rank member is? It's the Rad Russian. The Rad Russian. <laughs> of course, you capitalist swine. It's a. It's a. <laughs> what was the other? What was the one that was Mintberry Crunch? <laughs> it's not a wrestler. It's one of their superheroes. But. Hmm. Oh man! You're looking it up. I'm looking it up. I have it in my notes, and I'm 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 spacing, man. We've been through so much tonight. It's a ton. Let's see. Here, come back to it. I'll I'll uh, I'll take us out for like three minutes, and then you can come back with this info. Uh, switch gears real fast. Did you guys see the new Avengers Endgame trailer today? Um, some pretty good stuff in there. Paying attention. No, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, man, yeah, it's totally worth watching. Uh, it pays attention to the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, you know, at least 10 years old, hearkening back to uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and um, Thor. It has Anthony Hopkins in it, portraying Odin in a scene from the end of Thor. Uh, these look like they might all hopefully appear in the movie as reminiscences, but I really doubt they're going to do it. Um, and, uh, we see these, uh, Avengers space uniforms, I think for the first time. I don't recall seeing them in any other previous trailer. Uh, we got a lot of interesting action from particular characters, and I'm having a hard time, I, I haven't looked at it too closely, but when Hawkeye is seen to be, uh, teaching archery to a young lady on the farm, I'm getting the impression that that might be Kate Bishop. Hawkeye, but it also could be his wife. I haven't looked into it too hard. Somebody knows the answer to that. Um, I have some stale, big red Wrigley's chewing gum that I bought in uh, December for a cruise, and uh, <laughs> I'll send you send you a piece. Anyway, I thought it was a, a pretty good trailer. I like the music. I just I'm looking forward to the movie. Comes out the day after my birthday, so I'm going to try to see it on my birthday and. Uh, if you can do the math, then you know when my birthday is good. Good for you. Did you figure this out? It's in April sometime. I no, was... no, the guy oh, that's yeah, going yeah, to the it's, Bullet it's... Club. Oh, it's El Fantasmo. It's El Fantasmo. What about Punishment it's Martinez? El Fantasmo. Oh, I miss him. I, don't, I gotta look him up. I haven't seen him in quite a while. But they're, they're teasing the Sniper of the Skies gimmick. I've, I've seen the shirt image coming soon. We'll see. The, yep. the shirt looks really kick-ass. It should All be the, the best despair. Should be the next Bullet Club member, the business bear. Oh, yeah, that stupid bear. Could be cheeseburger. No, you know what I showed my son today? I showed my son the supercard match between Kenny Omega and the uh, and uh, Cody the American Nightmare. And the Young Bucks, because they think, kind of in that situation. Huh? What do you think? He was totally, he, he was like, who's the best wrestler in the world? And I was like, it's Kenny Omega. And, uh... We started talking about it. He's really interested in Andre the Giant. We need to watch that Andre the Giant documentary from HBO pretty soon. Oh, it, it was a great – half of it – well, let me rephrase this. Half of it was phenomenal and absolutely well told. The other half was about Hulk Hogan. Oh, no. Well, the he's alive to talk. 
The other half is all about Hulk Hogan. There's another documentary I was thinking about the other day. It was about you know that Chris Hemsworth is playing uh, is portraying Hulk Hogan in a in a uh, movie of Hulk Hogan. That's gonna be awesome. I, I, that's gonna be awesome, dude. That I want to know who's gonna play Macho Man. I want to know who's gonna play Miss oh, Miss man, Elizabeth. Oh man, uh, Dude, Macho when we go to when we go to Tampa next year, because hey, we're gonna be at we're gonna be at Mania next year. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want to go this year because there's no fucking way we're going to Jersey. <laughs> um, Tampa. We'll get. Well, let's find the place where Macho Man crashed and died and put a flower down or something. Yeah, you t- sent me a text. We should do that. That's all I got, man. That's That's all I got for this week, man. We covered all the things that matter in life tonight. This was a epic length uh, issue for us. I'm if I'm not, I'm looking at right now, so I'm going to guess this is a two and a half hour podcast. Uh, We're in the 58 minutes since we've been back, and um, yeah, other things to look forward to. Um, I dude, Cobra Kai season two. I can't be more excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't, Can't wait. wait. Um, you know, yeah, I want to see Endgame. I'm really excited about that. Shazam looks like a total piece of... I just couldn't care less about that movie. I think I think it looks great. Does it? I don't know. I'm just I, not my... I, think looks, I, I don't know. I think this is going to... I'll take, I'll I take my idiot be the teen one. superhero movie as a kick-ass um, or a hit girl movie. Just straight up hit girl movie. That sounds great. But uh, get that Chloe, get that Chloe Grace Moretz back with her fucked up new face. Oh man, she's just like she's a cutie. Yeah, well, you should look her up with all the plastic surgery she had. She she ruined her face. It's weird. I don't know how. I don't. I don't understand Hollywood types. It's weird to me. Excuse me. Again. One more time. Did you see me do like the little the little white girl wave? (laughs) I was like, ah, and then I sneezed. All right, that was silly. Only, uh, I'm ready to get. I'm ready to two, stop. Get I'm going to embarrass myself. Well, hey guys, we love you, Minefields lovers. Email yeah. us. Go to the website. We're going strong on uh, Apple. I'm going to make sure we're going to be on SoundCloud and um, SoundCloud, YouTube. What's the other one? Scream? No, it's Social than us. I'm going to look oh, into. Uh, I forget what it is. I'm going to look into... Uh, hey, if there's a platform that we, aren't, uh, that we aren't on and you think somebody would listen to us on that platform, let us know. We would love to get your emails. You know, we're tweeting nonsensical stuff out to people that they already know. Um, I never tweeted before in my life until we had this podcast, and I have no idea if anybody gives uh, two Fig Newtons about it. So that's my second Fig Newton joke in the show, and it's not even a joke. Anyway, all right. That's that. So what are we doing? Over and out, or are we going to (laughs) do Engage? Uh, Well, I'm going to save that for Star Trek night. we we got to do another Star Trek subscriber real soon. Let's Um, do it tomorrow. We can do it tomorrow. All right, good night, yeah. folks. Uh, have a good one, and um, take a walk through the minefields. All right, yeah, I like yours better. All this right. is this is dangerous. This is dangerous. That's how it should start. <laughs>